Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
broadcasting live to billions of people. Cameras on the streets tracking who we meet and call this liberty. which is the sole project of the Revolutionary War Veterans Association. And uh, while you may hear that name and think of a bunch of guys uh, prancing around in frilly shirts, uh, drinking tea and uh, and yelling out, uh, by your leave and uh, top of the morning and stuff like that, that's not what it is at all. I know that uh, when I first heard of it, I thought, uh, uh, what is this? What is this Revolutionary War Veterans Association? Why why do they have it? I mean, what is it? Uh, what's the purpose of it? There can't be any uh, Revolutionary War Veterans alive that could be members, right? <clears throat> and there's not. What there is is a group of folks that are dedicated to ensuring that we honor those men and women who stood together in ranks, who fought eight long bloody years so that we would have the nation that we have today. The folks, most folks are willing to make sacrifices, even the ultimate sacrifice for the right cause. Most folks are willing to willing to lay down their lives to protect their families, their loved ones, and uh, has been sh- what has been shown by by millions of Americans is they want to lay down their lives in the service of their nation to protect their nation, and that is what we want you to understand and to remember that we want to honor those men and women who stood together on April 19th. 1775, and how do you you honor somebody, and and the way that you do it 
is you tell their story. You tell their story about what they did so that so that they don't die on that battlefield uh, 235 years ago, and that's the end of it. You help to make their sacrifices mean something by remembering them, by honoring them. And then not just honoring the story of what happened to them, but honoring the ideas that they sacrificed themselves for. We owe these folks uh, a tremendous debt, and it's a debt that we can never really repay because how would we how are we going to repay it because they're no longer uh, they're no longer alive for us to repay the debt, and the answer is we repay it by honoring them by telling their stories, and that's what we do every weekend of the year at a location within reasonable driving distance of you is an Appleseed two-day rifle marksmanship event. And uh, the Appleseed Project is an all-volunteer, grassroots, nationwide organization dedicated to teaching the absolute best rifle, the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship program in the United States today, the absolute best. We do it better than anybody out there. And to be honest, there's not a lot of people out there doing this anymore. There's not a lot of people out there that that are teaching Americans rifle marksmanship anymore, and certainly not to the level that we do. Uh, if you'd like to find out how to get to a uh, two-day rifle marksmanship program put on by the Appleseed Project, you can go to rwva.org. That's our home page. On the home page, there's a list of there's a row of tabs going across the top of the page. The second one from the left says Appleseed. You put your cursor on that, you'll get a drop down menu. On the drop down menu, select schedule. That'll take you to the page that lists <clears throat> well actually it has a picture, uh a map of the United States on it, uh, separated by states. You can put your cursor on the state where you'd like to attend an event. And then click on that, and it will give you a listing of the events in that state. Now, if you'd like to see uh, the listing of, the, uh, of all the events going across the United States, then you can click on the hot link embedded in the text above, and that will uh, give you a listing of all the events going across the nation. <clears throat> all right, uh, on that hot link... Uh, on the uh, on the list of events, what we'd like you to do, what I'd like you to do, is to look at the ones and find the one that fits you. Find the location and the date and everything that fits you. And then make your decision to attend the event right then and there. You know, our lives are filled with uh, with things that we wish we would have done things that we could have done, things we, we should have done, things we we sure wish we would have done that when we had the chance. Don't let this become one of those. Because I can tell you right now, if ever you need some rifle marksmanship, if ever you need those skills, <laughs> you're going to need them right then and there. You don't need them uh, uh, two days after you need them. You understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> 
So <clears throat> pick out a location or a date that works for you, and don't think about attending the event. Attend it. There's two hot links uh, just to the right of each uh, location. One says information. That'll give you. That'll take you to the event information page. That'll give you the uh, information for that specific event on that specific date. It'll tell you where it's happening, who's putting it on, uh, directions, contact information, etc. Then right beside that one is another link that says register. And now what you need to do is click on that link. That'll take you to our third-party software, which is Eventbrite, and uh, it'll let you go ahead and register. And that's what we'd like you to do. That's what you need to do. Go ahead and get pre-registered for that. That does two things. One, it makes sure that you have a place on the line. And two... It makes sure that we know that you're coming. And that way we can schedule the correct number of instructors. We make sure we've got the proper amount of gear, etc. All right, so that lets you know that you've got a place on the line. That lets us know that you're coming. And it doesn't end up being a wish I would have, I should have, etc. All right. Uh at the beginning of each show, we usually give you guys the uh, the chance to call in and say thanks to your local crews. Now, you can still do that tonight. And uh, the number is uh, 347-308-8790. 347-308-8790. And uh, you call in. And uh, follow the record instructions, and then uh, the call screener will talk to you. He just wants to, and it will be off air, so don't worry about it. You're not going to be pulled onto the air. He just wants to know what you're, what you're doing. You just listen. Do you have a question, what your question is, et cetera. Then he can feed me that information. <clears throat> so be sure and uh, follow the recorded instructions, and then do as the call screener says, and then we'll get you on the air. Uh, tonight's just a little bit different because uh, you can still do that. You can still let them call and thank your crews and uh, uh, and then put out any information that you'd like to put out, et cetera. Uh, but we've got uh, uh, Fred, and uh, for those of you guys that don't know, Fred is the founder of the Appleseed Project. He's on tonight with us, and uh, and if you'd like to call in and ask Fred any questions, make any comments, uh, suggestions, etc. Fred has already told me that he welcomes the calls and uh, he looks forward to hearing from you. So, uh, and I asked him to call in at 7.15 and he has. He's here now. So, Fred, welcome to the Rifleman Radio Show. Always good to be here, Scott. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking the time off to to call in this evening and uh uh, and I know that uh, uh, rather than being on the radio, I know you'd rather be packing uh, shoot boxes and stuff like that. But uh, we're giving you a, a respite from that. Let's. Uh, uh, well, first off, we just want to thank you, and then second, uh, kind of get us started off with the. You and I were talking earlier today about how how uh, the the Appleseed Project is growing and growing, and it's growing at a fast rate. And in comparison with other organizations, I believe the Appleseed Project is one of the fastest-growing organizations of its kind in American history. 
and we get tons of new people in all the time. And I know we've had you on the radio show before to talk uh, about different things, including the history. But if you could give folks just a uh, just a quick review of of how the project got started. Mm, that takes us all the way back to uh, 2005, when um, I think I actually announced um, a program for people to learn how to shoot a rifle, and then they were supposed to go out and uh, <clears throat> pass that information on to other people. So it was going to be learn today, teach tomorrow. Um, I think it was in April of 2005, <clears throat> and it became pretty obvious pretty quick that uh, the bootstrap approach wasn't really going to um, wasn't really going to take off. So back then we talked about taking the show on the road, so to speak. And the first uh, first appleseed we ever did <clears throat> was a trial run. Out in a little place called Whirlin, Wyoming, in July, and I got to tell you, July is not the time to go to Whirlin and do anything because, as I recall, the the sun was out, the temperature was 105 degrees, and the wind was blowing probably 20, 25 miles an hour. It's like being in a blast furnace. But uh, we had a pretty good turnout. <clears throat> that was in the early days of the program when people would drive. Um, they didn't seem to mind driving two or three states to get to an apple seed. I remember there was a guy there from. Uh, there was a guy there from Oregon. So anyway, uh, we thought that uh, uh, it was going to work. It looked like it would work from that trial run. Uh, but we did one more trial before the end of 2005, and that was to go to Mingus, Texas, <clears throat> where we had a pretty big turnout, as I recall. It was like 60, uh, I don't know, 66 people or 68 people. And again, we had people drive long distances. There was a guy who drove down from Oregon. To, to Texas, and I said, "Well, was it a large drive? Was it a long drive?" And he says, "He says no, it wasn't really all that long." He said it was three days and two nights, and I probably just rolled my eyes a bit about that. <laughs> but anyway, those those first two uh, those first two kind of pre apple seeds, I guess you could call them, showed that uh, the program had promise, and uh, so we laid on what we called the <clears throat> Great 2006 Appleseed Nationwide Tour. Uh, which oddly enough started off right in Ramsar in February, at the end of February. Uh, the goal of that first year, of course, this is all old history to you, Scout. But the goal of that first year was to have have a thousand apple feeders participate in the program, and uh, <clears throat> we had some big apple seeds. The biggest one for a long time was the one we had in April in uh, Evansville, Indiana. But somewhere around the middle of the year, it became obvious that um, the projected 10 apple seeds uh, was not going to generate 1,000 people. So we started adding apple seeds because we wanted to make make that, that goal. And I think we finally got up to 17 or 18 apple seeds uh, that first year before we uh, reached the goal of 1,000. And the goal of the second year, as you know, 2007, the goal was to double to 2,000. And um, we had to do 47 or 48 apple seeds that second year to reach 2,000. And the third year was 4,000. Do you remember how many apple seeds we had to do that, that third year? How many apple seeds we did? Yeah, uh, the third year. 
I want to say I want to say we got up to 150. Right. I don't remember. I knew that I did. Uh, I believe I did altogether like 21. The mm. third year. That was my like my peak year. Mm-hmm. Then of course the program's grown since then. It's had its ups and downs. We, it's uh, sometimes bumpy. It's a uh, program. Uh, organized and run by humans, so it's got all the, you know, uh, the foils and the the uh, drama that uh, I guess you could say almost any human activity has. But right. we find and ourselves now. We find ourselves now in the. Uh, is this the seventh year of the program? Right, 2012. Let's yes. See. Yeah, that would be the seventh year. Seventh year. Mm-hmm. And we find ourselves with. Um, over 750 instructors. Uh, we just came off of a year um, where there was some internal issues in the program, and yet even in 2011, when we, when those issues uh, uh, seemed to erupt, uh, we had our first thousand apple seeds here. A thousand apple seeds in one year. I got to tell you, and you can remember this thinking back, but back in the early days. A thousand apple seed year would have been a real big year. Oh my gosh! Well, yeah, because I, and I talk about that on the radio show quite a bit because I used to list off all the apple seeds uh, every week, the upcoming apple seeds and stuff, uh, at least for the for the thirty days, and it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So we're taking a larger and larger chunk out of the show. So finally, I just uh, I tell people where to go to get the information because. Uh, we're, we're, some months uh, we'll have uh, twice the number of events in that one month that we had for the whole uh, the whole third year, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, or the whole second year, because uh, because it, there are just so many, and I'm always amazed at that because, like you said, when you start off a you start off a program and you go, here's our goal, and this is a goal that we're hoping we can reach, but. Uh, you know, it's just a it's just a hope that we'll have we'll we'll uh, instruct a thousand people, and now that's uh, that's turned from a thousand people into a thousand apple seeds, and it's been in the twinkling of an eye, and that's something that the program I don't care who you are that's something that uh, you can be proud of in the apple seed project. Man, if you think back, you can think, um, uh, looking back in the twinkle of an eye, but uh, there were a lot of long weekends out there in the hot sun or freezing cold rain. And, I'm, you know, we both have stories that uh, of unusual apple seeds where we either froze or, or roasted. Um, but one thing you could guarantee was that at the end of the apple seed, not only were you terribly tired, but you also had a good feeling uh, that you'd actually accomplish something uh, worthwhile. Yeah, I used to joke with people that, uh, you know, we've been running ever since 2007. I've been running a minimum of one apple seed a month here in Develop. And uh, I used to joke with people in the beginning that I was very thankful for apple seed because it guaranteed me two days of rain a month. And, uh, and we can always use the rain. And I'm telling you, almost every, uh, almost any instructor you speak with in the Apple Seed Project will be able to relate some form of the same story to you about how they 
uh, ran an event in inclement weather because that's one of the things that I've always been proud of the Appleseed Project doing, and that is we, if there's rain, if there's uh, uh, even hurricanes and tornadoes, uh, if it's hot, etc., it doesn't matter. If it's snowing, if it's icy, we still run our shows. We still run them. And uh, I don't think, I don't know of any other organization that, that does that. I remember uh, an event fairly early on, and I believe it was in Arizona, wasn't it, where <clears throat> I remember seeing the pictures of it uh, either that Saturday night or that Sunday night, fairly early on in Arizona, I think, where you guys were doing a shoot. I believe you were there, Fred. Yeah, that was, that was that was Ben Avery Range. I think it was October, uh, probably October 2008. Right, you, you're referring to the one where they canceled all the other events at the range, and uh, but we stayed on. Right, you guys stayed, and I remember seeing pictures of uh, all of the equipment, not just paper targets. I'm talking about the whole target backers, the big wooden target backers being blown off of the range. And you guys uh, got together, and, and what did you guys do? You you ended up staking them or wiring them down? Well, we started off with these uh, backers that were furnished by the by the range, and they're the typical, I don't know, target backers that you have for pistols. In other words, they stood about five feet off the ground. And when the wind started kicking up, and uh, um, actually it was, it, was, it was good fortune for us because we were – we were on a range that we were going to have to share with, um, as I recall, it was a black powder muzzle-loading uh, group that was going to shoot, but uh, they never got started because of the wind. So we actually wound up having that the, the entire firing line to ourselves, which was good, of course. Uh, but the wind wind kept building up to where it would it would uh, a gust would hit those those frames and, and, and sometimes we lose two frames or three frames at a time and, and because it was blowing toward the firing line, uh because it was so strong it just it didn't just blow those those frames over. Uh they they, they sort of it sort of exploded them. So you'd have sticks and cardboard and targets and everything that would actually wind up impacting on the firing line. It was kinda of funny because after that happened a few times, somebody would shout out incoming, and then you'd, you'd know that there was a, another bunch of target <laughs> debris uh, head, heading for the line. Uh, to give you an idea about the wind, uh, I remember standing there. It was, a, it was a nice firing line with smooth concrete, and I remember looking over my left shoulder for some reason, and I saw they had a, uh, there was a piece of 6x6 six six wood that had a carpet tacked to it, I presume, for a, a shooting rest for one of the benches. But anyway, that thing was just rolling down the rolling down the concrete, uh, blown by the wind. And I remember thinking at the time, I said, man, you don't see that every day. But right, the, and uh, you guys kept on shooting. Well, the, the the range people came and said, look, we're shutting down the uh, the public side of the range, and uh, there was another big competition they had, a western um, something that was, um, I don't know, regional competition at least, and they canceled that. And uh, we we talked to them and said, look, we got people who came from long distance. Oh, if you guys don't mind, if we modify your uh, your frames a bit, we'd like to stay on. And they they were very nice and said, sure. So um, we actually halted, and uh, <clears throat> the RWVA engineers swung into action. We looked at those target frames. We said, okay, first thing we're going to do, we're going to cut them down so they so they so they fit flush with the ground, and uh, then we're going to get rope. 
and and uh, you know kind of brace them, put put guy the equivalent of guy wires up. And I remember some guy went home, got his electric drill and a saw, and and uh, we probably took about a I don't know maybe an hour or so to cut all those target frames down, mount them, and each one was was had each side of the uh, target uh, uh, staked to the ground with a with a with a rope. Um, and then we continued shooting. Even 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 after that, though, we lost a we lost a few of them. Uh, truly, the wind was a was a factor. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think everybody thought to themselves, uh, it's one of those experiences that uh, uh, that you remember for a good while. Right. And you feel you feel like yeah, you know, everybody quit and went home. But uh, uh, you know, as RWBA people, we don't do that. We uh, Right, it's a, it's a, it's a matter of pride for us, but it's also uh, the one thing I tell the folks, too, about this is that <clears throat> nowhere else are you going to, uh, by going and attending some event, nowhere else are you going to get the uh, the chance to learn what your rifle system does in inclement weather, because most people fold up their tents and go home, and we don't. So if you want to find out uh, what it's like to shoot in the rain and pouring down rain or in... Uh, uh, 30 mile an hour winds with uh, sand that piles up uh, uh, up even with your rifle. If you want to know how your rifle shoots in in those type of situations, and more importantly, how do you handle them, then take a chance. Come to an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship Weekend and have no worries that we're going to uh, close down the event because of inclement weather. Well, we do have to add a little bit of a footnote to that. Since we started the winter seed program, that's where we try and have as many apple seeds in cold weather as we have in uh, you know, spring, summer, and fall. And uh, there are times, or there will be times, when a uh, blizzard comes through and it's just impossible to get to the range. It's dangerous traveling and stuff like that. So there are going to be times when we will uh, wind up postponing an event. But generally speaking, it would have to be something that would uh, uh, prevent travel. Uh, and in a few cases, there are ranges where the, you may find that uh, the travel is not an issue, but once you get to the range, it may be a, a mile off the road and uh, uh, two, two or three feet deep in snow, and, and you really don't have access to the, to, you know, to the range itself. Right. As right. And, as and I, I'll also, if I'm running an event, I will call an event if there's uh, lightning. I mean, if there's lightning, then the last thing we need you guys to do is to be walking around with a piece of metal sticking up uh, over your shoulder. So we we will call an event for lightning, but otherwise, and and for the occasions that Fred just mentioned, if it's if there's danger or if it is uh, if it's impossible to make it to the location or something like that, yeah, uh, you know, sometimes nature intervenes. But for the most part, we can you can plan on. Uh, and coming to an event and knowing that we're going to be there. And uh, I know here, and I know that you have too, Fred, you've been in every weather condition that uh, is available out there. We've had uh, seeds in ice. We've had them here in a, a hurricane. And, uh, and, of course, I asked the folks online, I said, look, I said, I'm going to stay here and shoot. And uh, you guys are welcome to stay with me. Who's going to stay? And every single person stayed. And there were a couple of times when the wind came through and uh, and it stripped every single target off of the line, and all we did was call a ceasefire 
and issue more targets, and we went and posted them, and uh, and then came back and shot. But we shot right through the middle of the hurricane. Mm-hmm. And for the apple seeds that occur in the ice and snow, <clears throat> Fred uh, commissioned a special line of patches for you guys called the Winter Seed Patch. It's a uh, icy blue colored patch with actual icicles dripping off of it. So that's one that uh, that's one that. Uh, that uh, you are welcome to uh, to receive if you go to an apple seed and shoot uh, in an ice condition. Well, ice or freezing cold rain that would that would that would qualify. But we have to we have to mention that those those patches are in short supply this year. It looks like it's going to be probably another year before we get another supply of them. So if you want one, you need to get some winter seed uh, as quick as you can before the uh, patches run out. Right. Now, I have a few extra because in my, my allotment didn't get used up as quick here in Texas. But uh, I would do just exactly what Fred said, and that is if you want a chance to uh, to, get to win one of the coveted uh, apple seed uh Rifleman ice patches. You better get to the uh, to the next winter seed and uh, shoot to rifleman standards to uh, to get you one. And if you like uh, patches on your shooting jackets, you're going to love this one because I don't know of any other patch that looks like this. Well, that's the history leading up to this. And uh, let's see. And uh, but, but scout before we go further, now we we got the history. We got a little bit of the history, but as you know, history is more than facts. Uh, we haven't actually talked about why apple seed. That was uh, my next question. That ah. is why. Because, yeah. and I'll tell you one thing: I get people that that ask me, or they try to, uh, you know, folks that because Fred, you're not a you're not just a brand new Johnny Come Yesterday. Uh, you've been in the public view. Uh, for decades, and and people are used to reading you in Fred's columns in Shotgun News, and uh, and you become kind of something of a legend there in uh, in the group of people that read that. And before Appleseed, you know there was there was a different uh, kind of a different attitude or theory, but then once Appleseed came along. Everything changed. So, if you can tell us about uh, like the history and the why. Well, you're exactly right, Scout. Um, I came into the um, rifle shooting game. Uh, I actually got pretty serious about it in 1989, the first time I went up to Camp Perry, and uh, um, I remember that first year well because there was a there was a flyer that was that was being handed out up there that said uh, no enemy soldiers ever been killed with a soccer ball, a baseball, a football, a golf ball. Uh, that has always been the task of a well-trained marksman, um, which 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 struck a chord in me uh, because rifle marksmanship uh, in competition is not like other sports. Other sports, it's done for fun, but rifle marksmanship uh uh, has a lot more uh, potential than that in the sense that uh, rifle marksmanship has been something which has served this country well 
uh, throughout its history. Um, I like to point out that uh, one shot, one well-aimed rifle shot, changed the entire history of this country. Of course, I'm referring to the rifle shot at, at Saratoga, which uh, most historians recognize as the turning point in the American Revolution. Uh, and that turning point hinged on one rifle shot, which knocked a British general off his horse and caused the uh, battle to go in our favor. Uh, so early on, it became pretty evident to me that um, anytime you're talking about firearms, anytime you're talking about rifles, or are you talking about skill with a rifle, you're talking about more than more than competition. And uh, early on, I kind of, um, particularly in the writings on shotgun use, I talked about the rifleman and what the what the concept of rifleman. Uh, consisted of, and it consisted of far more than than skill with a rifle. Although skill with a rifle is clearly the um, you know the foundation of what a rifleman is, but in my in my estimation, a rifleman in this country, in the tradition of this country, is um, somebody who cares very much about freedom, somebody who cares very much about uh, the history and heritage of the country, and who, if necessary, um, and if called on, would be uh, willing and able uh, to fin- defend that history and heritage with his rifle. Um, there's a lot of, I guess you could say, pessimism uh, afloat in the country, and gun owners aren't immune to it, and there's a fair number of gun owners uh, who probably um, believe that uh, the country is heading down the wrong track. And that if something doesn't intervene to stop it, that ultimately uh, um, they could be put in the position of having to, uh, depending on marksmanship, as a survival skill. Um, And I guess, like a lot of people, um, I was concerned about the direction the country was going in. And it finally dawned on me, I'm not the brightest bulb in in the pack, so it finally dawned on me that probably around 2000 that... uh, that I could uh, keep complaining about things like I've been doing for <clears throat> the last few decades. And, uh, I mean, I could continue to complain for another decade, and what would I have? Um, at the end of that decade, I'd just have one more decade under my belt of complaining. So I guess I finally figured out that uh, complaining is not going to solve anything. We have to do something. And it was then that I started really promoting the notion that uh, people ought to get into rifle marksmanship, and more than that, they need to get into um, learning and appreciating uh, um, a founding event in this country's history. And, of course, that's the April 19th, uh, 1775 story that, that we tell at all our apple seeds. Uh, it's, a, it's a critical turning point it's, uh, in, in our history, and, and you could argue it's a, it's a turning point in world history. Uh, that one day, um, I remember reading... A uh, historian who said that we're the only country on the planet that can point to one day in its history and say there, there, that's where it all began. Right, exactly. Uh, so anyway, Appleseed started off with that notion of not just teaching rifle marksmanship, but putting in it, putting it into a larger context. And the larger context is the history of that day and the tradition which which arose um, and, and became part of our heritage. Um, so actually, uh, you say that that 
I guess you could say the tone and tenor of what I what I write for Shotgun News has changed. Uh, there's clearly a difference between pre-apple seed and post-apple seed. Post-apple seed, I began to understand. Uh, before that, I was I was uh, pessimistic about the future. I envision a future where it might be that you might, through some economic collapse or some other catastrophe, you might have to pick up your rifle and and um, I don't know, defend yourself, survive, defend your community, your family, whatever. But after Appleseed, um, I think you'll find that, that my writings have changed to kind of a theme of hope, that, that this is a great country, this is a great tradition, and that if we can if we can make more Americans, or if we can make enough Americans aware of that history, uh, my feeling is that uh, they will discover something that they did not want to see uh, disappear, and they'll get off the couch and, right. and help out in this program. And maybe that's one reason why this program has has pretty much doubled every year. And, right, and you're, uh, you mentioned the the exact answer, which was if you read the history, if you start reading the history and you start understanding what occurred uh, leading up to and then on April 19, 1775, and then what happened after that, what happened from the events on that day. And like you said, uh, we're one of the, uh, as far as I know, one of the only countries that can trace our history back to the exact day and time that it was started, started by us, started by the inhabitants of the nation. Now, there have been other nations that have, have had their countries forced on them by the League of Nations and then the United Nations and stuff like that. But we're the only ones who developed it ourselves. And uh, if you start looking back at the history and you see that the whole reason that that they fought that day was because they didn't have any other choice. But because they didn't have any other choice, it caused them to forge the documents that we now live by that give us a choice. If we if we so desire, we have the choice and we have the ability to keep any additional revolutions from occurring. And I think that once you understand that and you you see that you that you can become a part of the answer to it, then it changes that whole mentality of uh, the folks that are stuck in their bunkers waiting for the end of their world. I mean, do you think that that's uh that's a correct assessment. Yep, I think this program has surprised everybody in it, including myself, because as the program grow, grows and grew, it became evident that there were some things happening there that uh, probably we had not anticipated would happen. And one of them is this fact that uh, apple seed is a is a great way to take people out of bunkers and uh, the bunker mentality and the survivalist mentality. And, and and show them that uh, you know, there is hope. You know there are, there are other Americans who are working to to um, save the Titanic in our in our analogy. Um, well, for I, just a that, second, before we go on from there, let's. Can you give us the because maybe a lot of people in the beginning we ran the Titanic analogy quite a bit, and that was because uh, because because we did because it was a great analogy. We don't as much anymore because there are more people helping. But still, can you give us a uh, kind of give us a rundown or a, a, an explanation of the Titanic analogy? 
well, it's that uh, it's that this uh, this country is like a huge ship. Actually, it's much bigger than the Titanic. Uh, but if you remember the Titanic story, it took a number of hours after the Titanic struck the iceberg before people realized that the ship was going to sink. Right. I mean, the ship was sinking, but people weren't aware of it. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna submit to you that. Uh, that uh, if you view our country as a huge uh, ship, that that um, I don't know when you put your finger on the date that it struck the rocks, but it would be decades ago, and the ship has been slowly sinking ever since. Uh, when I say slowly sinking, I mean it's um, it's it's sinking slow enough so that most people don't 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 get the impression that it's sinking. In other words, it's like the Titanic. For the first several hours after the Titanic struck the iceberg, the decks were level. It was just settling in the water, and the passengers didn't know. But the ship we're on, while it may be sinking so slowly that people don't pick up on it, the rate of sinking, I'm an, or I, would, I think I can give a pretty good argument that the rate of sinking has been increasing every year. And as the rate of sinking increases, uh, more people uh, begin to get restless in the sense that they sense that something's wrong. So while everybody's sitting in a deck chair, not everybody's happy about it. I mean, they, they, they sense that something's wrong. And the job of Appleseed is to say, uh, is to try and make our fellow Americans who are still in the deck chairs understand that the, the ship is sinking. And that the last place any American wants to be on a, on, a, on a sinking ship is sitting in a deck chair complaining about the service. That Americans are the kind of people and have in the past proved themselves to be the kind of people that when there's a job to be done, like save a sinking ship, they don't sit around. They get out of the deck chairs and they uh, they, they they help bail out the ship. So the problem, the, the job that of Appleseed in this little parable is to wake people up to the fact that the ship is sinking. Maybe confirm their fears in some cases. In other cases, it will be a totally new idea to them that the ship is sinking. But at any rate, we need to get them out of their deck chairs and make them understand that right. there's and a we have a in front of us, and that's to save the sinking ship. We have a, a further... Uh, kind of analogy that goes with that because at Appleseed we always talk about uh, how we're not we're not worried or we're not involved with the weather that we're working on the climate because if you go back to the Titanic analogy and you you read about it and you see that even if the the two guys in the forward uh, crow's nest if they had been able to unlock the purser's locker and get their binoculars out and they saw the iceberg in time to go around it the problem with that is that beyond that initial iceberg is a long line of icebergs and they'll be there every year and and how the only real solution is to change the climate so icebergs don't form up in the first place and I try to explain that to the Appleseed folks, and maybe you can uh, maybe you can give your version of the explanation to them. Well, the concept relates to elections. People get all wrapped up about elections, and 
we're dealing here with some some I think everybody would agree with some very important issues in this country. Things like liberty, freedom, the constitution, our history, our heritage, and uh things like that are too important to be left to um the fortunes of elections. I mean we have we can have a good president elected this term, next term we can have a bad one elected. And uh my theory is that the reason that this, that, that, that bad presidents get elected. One reason is that uh, Americans don't have the proper perspective, so they don't really understand what the issues are and how important uh, some of these issues are. And uh, so what we're trying to do, we, we, we say elections are, are not what Appleseed is about. What Appleseed right. is about is changing the climate. Elections are like the weather. You know, sunny today, rainy tomorrow, sunny the day after. But apple seed is about changing the climate. In other words, we're trying to get the passengers on the ship to understand that they have a role, a key role, and and this was a role that was defined by the founders. That the ultimate obligation for the smooth working of the ship, for the protection of the ship, for the maintenance of the ship, for the preservation of the ship. The ultimate responsibility for that falls on the passengers. And unfortunately, I think we have too many passengers who who don't who don't see that, who or who don't understand that. And that's why right. the ship is in the shape it's in. That's why we have a, a slack crew. That's why we have uh, uh, people in charge who, um, gosh, if they don't understand how to how to steer a ship away from icebergs, uh, they shouldn't be in charge. And yet we're on a sinking ship because they don't understand that there are icebergs out there and that uh, and that uh, the ship has hit any number of icebergs, and it is going to sink. In fact, that's right. one reason. That's one reason why why this program originally set this goal of doubling every year. Because uh, if you if you buy into the notion that that this country is going to the dogs, um, surely you should feel a sense of urgency. Uh, about preventing that, and we right. understand and, uh, that we understand that even now in Appleseed in the in the seventh year of the program, when we've had tens of thousands of people come to the program, we haven't really accomplished anything as far as saving the sinking ship. The ship is sinking faster now than it was when we started the program, and it's going to sink faster until we finally, uh, if if we can continue our very ambitious program of doubling every year. It's going to be sinking for at least another half a dozen years and probably a dozen years. But if we can continue this program growing as fast as it is now, uh, which this year, for example, I'd like to see 50,000 people come to the program, which means that sometime this year uh, one of our shoot bosses at an apple seed is going to shake the hand of the 100,000th person who's come to an apple seed. But that's, that's still a drop in the bucket. We need to double again. So in 2013, the goal will be 100,000 people coming through Appleseed. By the time we get to 2016, hopefully one of our shoot bosses will shake the hand of the one millionth person to come to the program. Now we're talking some numbers. Right, and I I, I just wanted to say real quick that uh, uh, Eric, one of the guys from Alaska, had called in. Now he just he just dropped, and if you want to if you want to call back in, Eric, you can. And uh, we'll put you straight on. But I'll tell you right now, what he was asking was uh, uh, he wanted to ask if there could be a 
something besides a winter seed patch for the Alaskans. So I'll just I'll let you think about that, and if he calls back in, I'll let him explain that. But Eric, if you call back in, we'll we'll put you straight in. Now, Fred, the what you were just talking about brings to mind something that uh, last week we had uh, uh, Dr. David Hackett Fisher on the program, and uh, and you know he's the author of our uh, our unofficial or slash official history. Uh, textbook that we teach out of, but we were talking about his uh, his Pulitzer Prize winning novel Washington's Crossing, and what I was telling him is that, and this is going to directly to relate to what you just said, is uh, is that all throughout history, every time America's future has hung in the balance, we weren't the nation wasn't saved or it wasn't pushed back by from the precipice by uh, hundreds of thousands or or millions of folks it has always been uh, by the actions of just a tiny tiny few that caused the changes in this nation because you and I have spoken about this and you've spoken about this publicly that for Appleseed to have an impact we don't need uh, half of the country we don't need a hundred million people or 50 million or 20 million folks for us to have an impact. We just need a group, a, a determined group of riflemen for us to have a huge impact in the nation. Okay, but they don't really even have to be riflemen. All they need to be is uh, is um, Americans who have been exposed to uh, the story of April 19, and who have uh, responded uh, to uh, to that story uh, in the sense that they have decided, whoa, uh, here's something that uh, here's something that I never learned in school. Uh, you know how we build uh, what you know the story we tell, which is based on, as you say, uh, Fisher's book, uh, Paul Revere's Ride. Uh, we build that story as being the story you never heard in school, and when you hear that story, um, a lot of times you're uh, you can be energized by it. You 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 begin to understand um, uh, what John Adams said about uh, the future future generations will never understand the sacrifice that the founding generation made. Uh, but that it's important that we understand that because uh, that's going to be key to um, being motivated to um, to you know to protect that that heritage. Uh, once you understand the cost of it, uh, you know, most of us, for most of us, freedom is free. It wasn't free for them, and it hasn't been free for a lot of generations since then. Um, but when we say freedom isn't free, that means you've got to get off the couch, and you got to do something. Because if you don't do something, people take over in this country and try and run it who don't know about the history and heritage. And when they don't know about it, they lose a lot. They lose an anchor. I mean... Um, you ask your, you, if you ask yourself, what's this country about? How do you answer that question? Well, you go back and you say, well, why was it founded? Uh, what did the founders want this country to be? And I presume that we think that they made wise choices in setting things up because you look at the track record of this country, and it's been amazingly successful. I mean, best country on the planet now biggest country by almost any any economic measures uh, 
you know, you want to you 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 want to measure us by. And unfortunately, we're about to choke on on all the economic prosperity, or we will uh, once our current depression has passed us. Right. But but you're right. Um, I don't know what the numbers are that we need to uh, to reach the tipping point where the ship not only is sinking slower, but it quits sinking at all, and in fact starts. Uh, starts being pumped out so that we can repair it and put it back in ship-shape condition. But I'm going to say it's going to be somewhere between uh, a million and three million people. But it doesn't matter if it's six million or ten million. It's something that's got to be done. It's like that first-year apple seeds. We thought we'd do ten apple seeds and and have a thousand people. And when it turned out that that wasn't going to ten apple seeds was not going to generate. Uh, a thousand people. We kept adding more apple seeds because the goal was a thousand people, not a certain number of apple seeds. So if the goal of this program is to save the sinking ship, then we do whatever it takes to save the sinking ship. Wow! And but we're so close. We're, we, we, I say we're so close. Um, I mean, how many years would you think it would take to save, a, uh, save a sinking ship the size of America? And remember, we're not talking about a temporary save. Where we elect, uh, you know, the perfect president, the perfect Congress, and then one year or four years, um, they straighten out the deficit. They they have a balanced budget. Blah 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 blah. Uh, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is 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 trying our best to make sure that every American who has the capability to respond to the story of April 19th hears that story, and we hope that there's enough of them. Uh, who, who who will say to themselves, whoa, you know, I didn't know this, but now that I know it, uh, I not only treasure it, I want to make sure that it's protected and that it's passed on to the next generation. So, right. and, you know, for planning purposes, I'm figuring about 3 million people, which means that if we can double, if we can keep this doubling up, and who knows how long we can keep it up, but if we can keep the doubling up, 2016, a million, 2017, 2 million, 2018, 4 million. So in as little as uh, five years from now, we can start saying to ourselves, uh, we, may be, we may be getting close to a tipping point. Now, most of us in this program have been working so much on the tactical, that is trying to meet our growth goals for the current year, that we really don't have a lot of time to deal with the strategic which is to say, okay, it's uh, 2016, 2017. We got so many million people who are off the couch and are are are, are lined up ready to save the country. Uh, what do we do then? Right. I mean, exactly. there's been some preliminary. There's been some preliminary, almost speculation, or or maybe some preliminary planning on it. But uh, most of that stuff, uh, most of that stuff, um, I got to tell you, is probably the heavy planning on it's going to be shunted aside. Until we, uh, uh, as we focused on trying to make sure that this doubling takes place every year. I mean, you well, were, you were there. You were there you can't, yeah, you you can't be planning. Uh, I don't. I, I'm sure that because uh, because uh, Eisenhower had a huge staff and stuff like that, <clears throat> but uh, that they were planning on what to do. In Europe, when they won, but in the beginning, you can't think about anything except how to get the troops, how to get them up to speed, 
how to get them, uh, uh, you know, get them ready, how to get the equipment to them, et cetera, and stuff like that. I'm just using the analogy because it's such a, it was another huge event. But mm-hmm. you can't be thinking about or, or spending a whole lot of time thinking about what's going to happen then until you're well on the way to doing it. And that's kind of where we are now. You know, when you mentioned it was just uh, six years away for the one million, it was kind of a shock to me because I, I've, we've been talking about this now for for over six years. And, and in the beginning, that was 12 years away. And now it's six years. And probably one of the first times I've really thought about it being just six years away. Right. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, well, you know, I've talked about this before. I've sort of semi-humorously suggested that the, that 2027 or 2026 will be the year that we have the victory parade. I have no idea. (laughs) I mean, we might, we might have a victory parade down Pennsylvania Avenue in 2023. Um, uh, Who knows? But what I'm suggesting is that, uh, this is going to be done. This is going to be done far sooner than most people think, and uh, I believe it's going to be an impact. I mean, if you're if you're a young married couple now, your kids are going to grow up in a in a far different America from the from the one it would have been had we not started Project Appleseed. And I right. Think you asked me earlier about how future. how long I thought it would take for the ship America, and that's a hard thing to answer because. And I've mentioned this quite often here on the radio show that it's a hard thing to answer because it would that would that the situation that we face now was as simple as as getting the information out to people that uh, that Cornwallis and his troops were you know were crossing uh, crossing the Delaware or that they were they were headed toward Philadelphia to take the town of Philadelphia would that that was the case. Because then we would have something uh, we would have something very tangible uh, to put in front of, front of people's faces, and and if we had uh, I know we 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 were joking around one time something about a hundred thousand screaming jihadists uh, landing on the coast, you know, and, and boiling out of these tankers and attacking America. That's something that's tangible, and that people are are they're ready. To go after that, they're ready to do whatever it takes. And the, the problem is, is that we don't have such a tangible enemy. Our enemy today is like, like rust that is attacking the bridges and infrastructures of America. It's just as dangerous. It's going to destroy the the nation just as sure as Cornwallis would have, or that the jihadists would have. But it's just so hard to get people to jump up and down and go and grab their steel, their wire brushes and stuff and uh, in order to do what's necessary to be done. Because right now they have NASCAR and uh, American Idol and stuff like that that's getting in between them and what they're supposed to be doing. Yep. And how much glory is there in uh, shipping rust off of off of bridges? There's, there's yeah, hardly no, any glory in it at all. It's a, it's a, it's a, a boring, painstaking uh, labor, and uh, you're not likely to have any statues put up on the village green in your honor because you, you, uh, you know, you saved the bridge by chipping all the rust off of it. So yeah, that's a, that's a good analogy. I mean, I, there's a there's a lot of people out there uh, in the um, uh, you know I need to see it in order to react to it, or maybe the mentality is uh, if I can't see it, it doesn't exist. 
Um, and, 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 you know, if our enemies are ignorance, uh, apathy, and laziness, uh, uh, you can see the results of those, but you can't see uh, the things themselves. So right. it, is, and uh, it is a hard, you know, like you say, if somebody could ring the alarm bell and say, the, you know, the pirates are at the gate or whatever enemies at the gate, grab your musket and and show up, It's uh, in many ways it's easier to do that than it is if somebody rings the alarm bell and say uh, the bridge is rusting, uh, turn out with your wire brush and your and your scraper. Um, yeah, you're right. That's uh, and, and actually, that's uh, it's uh, well, it's a it's a task and a challenge. I guess you could say we face from the beginning, uh, and, and one big part of it is this notion that we need to double every year uh, because it's recognized that first year. That first year was a real education. It became um i guess the the enormity the magnitude the difficulty of it sank in uh that you you know um you it's not going to be easy you you can say you're going to do a thousand people with with 10 apple seeds and then you find out it doesn't work that you need to do more and so every year the the the, the irony of it is that every year you look back at last year as being uh you know the easy year this year is the hard year, but at the same time, um, I guess the ironic part of it is that you got your gut, in your gut you know that this year, when you look back on it from next year, it's going to look like an easy year. That next year is going to be the tough year. Every year it gets harder. Every year it gets tougher to try and double. It does. It does, and uh, the the analogy of the Titanic I think is is still one of the good ones too, and I know I've used that before because you know we talk about apple seed being, and one of the problems a lot of times with people when they come into apple seed is they look at it like a like a a sprint, a foot race, a hundred yard dash, and they get to the end of the hundred yards and they go, whew, okay, all right, I did my job now, so where's the where's the trophy, where's the victory win, and you look around and and you see that. You've accomplished something, but you're still miles away from your goal. And and you then you realize that it's a marathon. You can't stop. And and sometimes folks get tired, and and they ask themselves, well, what you know, what am I doing, or what am I accomplishing? Because they don't have the uh, they don't have the cities that they've retaken. They don't have the uh, uh, the American flag flying over uh, uh, over Saratoga, and and people have to understand that it is a marathon, and that there is uh, uh, there is victory, but they have to stay with it until we get to victory. We can look back at the American Revolution now and see that it was eight years long, and you can say, yeah, I could have done that. I could have fought for eight years. But that's not how anybody ever sees a conflict when they enter into it. They don't see themselves coming out victoriously, or they don't know for a fact that they will. They don't see themselves coming out after eight years. They may think that when they begin that it's only going to be uh, one battle or one month or one year. They have to be committed, and they have to stay into it for the duration. And that's what we have to do. Whenever I tell folks the analogy about the Titanic – I say, look, guys, uh, the folks, first of all, you have to decide who you are. Are you the people sitting in the deck chairs oblivious 
to anything going on? Are you the people in the, the band that are sitting there playing still, uh, refusing to believe that there's a problem? Or are you part of the group that says, you know what, there's a problem, I've got to go fix it. And then now you're down in the belly of the ship, and you're bailing, and the water keeps rising, and it gets uh, above your knees, but you continue to bail. It gets above your waist, and you continue to bail. And it gets above your chest, and you continue to bail. And now it's at your neck or at the bottom of your chin, and you've got to decide what you're going to do. Are you going to keep bailing, or are you going to drop that bucket and run like hell? And I tell them, I, go, I say, look, guys, nobody ever snatches uh, victory from the jaws of defeat by giving up. They're, 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 you eliminate the possibility. So you have to be committed and you have to be determined to stay in this thing for the duration. You have to be committed that no matter what it takes, you're going to stay there with it and you're going to fight until the very end. That's the only way that you can uh, that you can snatch victory from the jaws of defeat is by not giving up. And so that's a uh, <clears throat> that's kind of an alien concept, I think, to most modern Americans. They don't uh, they don't think like that. I mean, people in this country used to think like that, but uh, a lot of modern Americans uh, simply don't think like that. You know, their favorite, I'll bet if you did a, a word frequency count, the most the, the most frequently used word in this country now is, is whatever. Right. Which doesn't, uh, I don't know. I don't know if um, I'm sure Benjamin Franklin used the word whatever, but I think he used it in a sentence. I dare, I dare say he hardly ever said whatever as a complete sentence and a complete thought. Yes, because so that's an alien uh, concept at that time. Yeah, to them, to them, uh, you know, they were important things. They were important goals, and uh, some of the goals were more valuable than life itself. Yeah, because when you and, say whatever, you're you're surrendering your future, your goals, your cares. You're surrendering it up. To whatever, to whatever the powers may be, you're surrendering that. And I don't think anybody at that time had the concept of completely surrendering up to 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 any eventuality. I think they always had in mind that whatever it took, they would continue at least to attempt to control their future and their lives and their honor and their fortunes. I don't think the concept of whatever was one that they would easily grasp. Mm. Uh, can you take some calls now, Fred? We've got some folks sure. that uh, would like to speak with you. Sure. All right, we've got uh, two wolves from uh, Texas that would like to uh, that would like to say something. He wants to speak with you. Two wolves, welcome to the show. Hi, uh, Scout. Two wolves here. How's your evening going? It's going just fine. Uh, just like to say hello and say hi to Fred and thank you for the program. Uh, I'd like to. Uh, Start off by saying that uh, put a little plug in for uh, a new sponsor that we have uh, uh, picked up here in Fredericksburg, which is KNS Precision, and they are going to uh, be a financial sponsor for us for 2012 and pay our range fees for the year. And Excellent. Uh, they are also uh, uh, have a booth at the Las Vegas Shot Show. And uh, I took over and, and dropped flyers and and stuff off. They're going to uh, we will be represented by them at the shot show uh, coming up this next week. Okay, we need. To, uh, by the way, it's nice talking with you. 
Um, we need to uh, work just a little bit on that two wolves because um, we have at least one other person and possibly uh, several people who will be at the SHOT Show in various um, capacities, I guess you could say. And uh, you know what they say, a group of individuals is a group of individuals, but a group of individuals working to a common plan as a team. So um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can't get... Uh, um, some PM heading your way uh, to put you in contact with the, these other folks so okay. that um, you can pass the word on to um, your guys who are going to go there and maybe we can um, I suspect they've already left for there, you know, they they were packing up yesterday and headed that way oh really? Okay. yeah uh, and 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 I've I've got their booth number, but it's out in my truck. I can post that on the internet on you know, on the on the on the website uh, tomorrow or later this evening. I'll I'll post. But KNS Precision ha- they'll have a you know they'll be in the in their in the catalog or whatever it is the the directory, right? And they'll be there. Do you have a well, cell phone number for them? Do you no, have a I, don't. Phone? I don't. I don't. Okay. okay. Well, send send PM send a PM to Hawkhaven. Uh, Roger, with the okay. with your information. Okay, I can do that. Uh, now, listen. Let me change the subject for just a second. While I've got you on the line, uh, uh, Patriot Gal has challenged me basically here on the on this little uh, yak yak thing here, because I, I had asked her one time before about uh, uh, Apple Core rockers. And she said she would look into it, and and now she's saying, "Well, hmm, Fred's on the line. Why don't you just ask him?" So, okay, I'll ask you. Do you think there'd be a possibility someday of of having Apple Core rockers? I think it'd be cool. I need a rocker, you know. Well, when you when you phrase it that way, someday I I can only answer yes, of course. <laughs> well, then I've got a positive right. answer. Thank you. Right. <laughs> but at well, least I want to qu- thank you while you're on the, the line. At question has been posed. I'm sorry. Send that out again. I said at least the question has been posed to you now. Right. I'm sorry. He he, he said since you posed it as a someday question, that he gave you uh, an answer of yes. Okay. (laughs) I guess he's he's either hinting at you to try and make it uh, a closer than someday or uh, accept that it might happen someday. Yeah, well, to to, to help you out here, Two Wolves, Obviously, the faster Apple Core grows, uh, the sooner those rockers are going to be out. Okay. So, I mean, once we get Apple Core up to several hundred people, uh, I suspect there'll be some rockers coming down the pipeline. Great. That sounds great. And and uh, I'd like to say thank you to all of the Texas crew, you know, and say hi to them if they're listening. Uh, we all know each other, so and we we love each other, so that's great. Well, I want to thank okay. you, too, Roger, because you've done a great job there in Fredericksburg, uh, helping out there. Every time we have an event there, Roger has made sure that uh, we're made to feel at home. He works with the Fredericksburg, with the uh, Patriot organizations there, uh, getting the uh, word out and getting those folks to attend. And uh, and Fredericksburg is also the location where uh, Chuck Undersea, Put together a uh, project for the uh, the feature film that he did. It's now a uh, two-part feature film that should be out fairly soon. That actually features uh, uh, has Appleseed in it as uh, an answer 
to the nation's problems. So we're all looking forward to that. And if you see Chuck again, be sure I tell him I said hey. Okay, I'll do that. And you all know, right, anything else you want to add before you go? Yeah, uh, since you had this analogy about uh, the, the rusting bridge, uh, I'll just kick in and say that. Uh, you know, it seems you you make it. You know, it sounds like it's hard. People don't want to go out and scrape the rust. But what we what we do in Appleseed is we are actually uh, getting getting our brushes out and scraping the bridge. And the reason why we do it is because uh, we have such we meet such great people along the way, and and we look forward to going back and scraping on the bridge on the weekends because we're gonna you know. It's like a, a family old time get together, you know, and and that's what makes it. Uh, if we could get more, the more people that get involved, they enjoy the camaraderie and, and the commonality that we share as as just good down home people, and uh, sharing experiences with each other. And and I think that's what the foundation of of America really needs to get back to. Uh, Absolutely, and it is. Whenever you come to an Appleseed, you meet uh, you meet the best folks in the nation, and you develop lifelong friendships. And that's one of the the largest benefits there is to Appleseed, besides the ultimate and obvious one, which is the maintenance and the saving of the nation. Well, that that is the saving of the nation is the saving of its people. The people need to be saved to feeling like they have hope and and uh good direction again and then they will you know I, they'll step up and do the right things but when they feel defenseless and hopeless and and stuff they they just they just sit on the couch kind of in a trance and uh we've got to get them out and give them some reason to uh to participate right well we fight the ignorance by telling the story of april 19th and hopefully by by telling them that story uh, it shakes them out of their apathy, and uh, because they then become concerned about the future of the country, uh, possibly that's going to um, mobilize them out of their laziness, so that they will finally get off the couch and and actually start doing something. And uh, well, when, we, when we get that far, we'll, we'll we'll probably all look at each other and say, "Man, we've got uh, you know we've done it." It's uh, it's it's uh, you know we we we've saved the ship. All right. Well, listen, Roger. Yes, thanks sir. a million, and uh, I look forward to seeing you. Uh, uh, well, sometime soon this year. Tell yes, everybody sir. in Fredericksburg yep. I said hello. God bless and keep you. All right. Yes, sir. And y'all have a good right. evening. I'm 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 just going to listen on the line here. All okay. Right. Great. Bye bye. All right. Uh, we've got some other callers, and I want to get them in. Uh, we've got. Jim from I don't know where area code eight four five. Jim, hold on. Yes. Jim, welcome to the show. Great to be here. It's my I'm hey. honored. Where are you Hello, from, Jim. Jim? Well, unfortunately, I'm from New York, and worse yet, I'm on the border of New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> but don't hold that against me because uh, I happen to uh, I'm a graduate of the. Palmer Seed Apple Seed event last year, and it was absolutely fabulous. Palmerton, Pennsylvania, and uh, I'm looking for an apple seed to attend again. And unfortunately, I see Palmer Palmerton, Pennsylvania, is not on the agenda for next year. But uh, more, uh, I'm more concerned with the fact that uh, there is nothing at all in New Jersey. 
And my question to you is, uh, uh, what can be, what can we do about that? What what does it take in a state like New Jersey to get an apple seed started? It seems to me like that's one of the places that needs it the worst, or I should say the most. Mm, you want me to answer this one, Scout? Uh, no. You go ahead. I know what you're going to say, okay. and I'm ready to say it too, but you go ahead. You're our guest. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what it takes in, in New, New Jersey is the is the same thing it takes in any other state. It takes somebody dedicated to the cause. It takes somebody who's not going to let failure bother him. Uh, it's somebody who's going to persist. It's going to take somebody who will improvise, adapt, and overcome. And um, I think we actually have somebody who's a state coordinator in New Jersey now. Is that Josie Wells? Uh, well, I don't know. Josie Wells is our is our New York one of our New York guys. Well, he may I know, be. But I, think, I, I think it's uh, I think it's one of our New York guys who's a state coordinator for New Jersey because we couldn't find anybody over there or nobody stepped forward yet. And of course, the reason for that is the reason why um, uh, so few people have stepped forward for the program so far. I mean, despite the fact that we're doubling every year and we're now up to uh, almost a thousand instructors. Ninety-eight percent, maybe ninety-nine percent of the country hasn't even heard of Appleseed, and uh, it's probably—I I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent New Jersey, but it's probably pretty close to a hundred percent. So somebody has to go in there and be the trailblazer, the groundbreaker, and uh, it'll be a thankless task because uh, anytime you start from the beginning, uh, when you start from ground zero, it's going to be a thankless task. Oh, Jim, so, you realize know, when he but, says when he says somebody. And it's just you and Fred now on the phone. I, you know who he's talking to, right? <laughs> I, I don't know enough about it. That was my you, first shoot. Well, all right. If you want to know more about it, then go on the New Jersey State Board. Post, uh, I'm so-and-so from New York, and uh, I have such pity and sympathy for the situation in New Jersey that I'm willing to uh, help in New Jersey until New Jersey gets on its feet and see if you get a response. Okay. And listen, you they can, can call they me can too. Use some help in, they could probably use some help in New York too. So, so I'm not sure that uh, our New York guys would uh, want you to put all your energy into New Jersey. They might I'll want you to save 20 percent or 15 percent for New York. The New York yeah, and you can call people. me anytime, Jim. If you need any help with anything, you give okay. me a call, and I'll do everything I can to give you a hand. All right. That sounds great. All right, and if you need my telephone number, it's uh, two five four. Uh, 217-1325. You give me a call, and uh, I can get you loaded down with uh, whatever it's going to take to get you to to have a cross-border raid into New Jersey and fire up that state. Terrific. All right. Thanks for calling, Jim. You got Thank anything you. else you, uh, you want to put in before we let you go? Well, the nearest apple seed to me is in Manhattan, <laughs> and you can't even bring your own <laughs> rifle. So, uh, <laughs> so you're pretty far then from central New York, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, because I I'm up there every year running uh, events in central New York in uh, Troop, which is out by Auburn, and then uh, in uh, uh, Rochester and uh, a, a couple of the other areas right there in central New York near the Finger Lakes. And you're always welcome there with us. I you just might see me there. Thank you very much. All right, listen, take care, God bless, good luck, and give me a call if there's anything that you need that I can help you with, okay? I'll do that. Thank you, sir. All right, thank you, Jim. Good night. All right, and uh, let's see, we got another one here. 
We've got uh, Cal in Vermont who would like to uh, to ask you some questions. Fred, Cal, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. Yeah, uh, my name's Cal. Actually, I'm calling from Portland, Oregon, and uh, a pleasure to be on on the show with you, Fred. I'd really like to thank you for for really changing changing our, our lives here with my family. My wife and I have both. Uh, shot rifleman, and uh, I try to promote your program uh, amongst all the people I meet. Really, um, what I'm finding is, is, is there are some people who are predisposed to liberty. Should we put it that way? Uh, they're a pretty easy sell, relatively speaking. Uh, unfortunately, there aren't enough of them because uh, really our, our problem, uh, as you've stated, is, is really one of changing how people think. And I think that is the purpose of Appleseed. Although you're a proponent of going to the polls and voting. That alone is clearly not going to bring us more liberty. <laughs> so, uh, along those lines, changing how people think, um, you know, I've really kind of gotten into the philosophy of, of liberty. And, uh, you know, one of my fears is perhaps my philosophy could even be labeled as, as the dark side, I, uh, I, although I don't think it is. Um, but, you know, I think that t I, it may be that we are doomed to repeat the cycle of watering the tree of liberty. Uh, the, as you know, the famous uh, Jefferson quote, uh, because of the underlying characteristics of the state. And so, you know, I started reading books like uh, The Most Dangerous uh, Superstition by Larkin Rose, um, a frequent listener of Stefan Molyneux uh, and uh, Free Domain Radio. So uh, I, I guess that, uh, you know, if I could just bounce that notion off you and, and see, see what you think. Well, I'm going to suggest is the state by its very nature dooming us <laughs> to I'm have to cycle. I'm going to suggest. Look, I don't I don't have the answers for for everything, and some people probably say I don't have the answers for anything. And the future, of course, is not written yet. Uh, uh, and, and I hope that uh, when the future gets written, um, we will all have some influence on 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 what's said. Uh, I do know that. Um, the, the the dark side is is, is very tempting because it's uh, it's an easy solution it's uh, for 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 the most part it's a in a way it's a fantasy solution I mean you don't have to do anything except accumulate some some gear and uh, then you wait and that's all you do is you wait once you're ready that's all that's all you do um, but um, I, I would hope that anybody who who entertains those fantasies um, uh, will let a dose of reality uh, creep in, because if 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 things were to ever get so bad in this country, the shooting starts, and it doesn't matter what it is—economic collapse, ideological warfare, uh, has versus has not—it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, can you imagine? Can you imagine what the outcome would be? Because I can't imagine what the outcome would be. I don't see uh, lightning striking twice. I don't see a Sam Adams stepping forth. I don't see a John Adams stepping forth. I don't see Thomas Jefferson stepping forth or George Washington. And I'm not ready to put my eggs in that basket yet because I don't see that that that, that quality uh, of leadership. And if I'm not mistaken, I think some of the founders uh, were reasonably conscious that uh, things like 1775 and 1776 are rare moments of history where you have people who are who take the helm, who are concerned about the good of the country. 
as opposed to feathering their own nest and, and grabbing power for themselves. You remember the story of uh, uh, George Washington when he resigned command of the Army? And George III, when he heard the news, he went running into the Queen's bedroom, shouting out, George Washington is the greatest man on the planet. And she said, why? And he said, because he voluntarily stepped down from uh, command of the Continental Army. All the cynics in London predicted that as soon as the, uh, or if the Americans won, uh, that George Washington would seize power. There wasn't a lot of debate about it. They just assumed he would seize power and declare himself king. But he didn't do it. It takes a remarkable person uh, to turn down that choice. And I don't know if we've got those kind of people in, any, in this country anymore. I'm sure we do, but I don't know if they're going to. I don't know if they're going to rise to the top if it ever gets to that point again. Uh, and then there's yeah, another for way. For a number of reasons, they aren't rising a, to the top. There's right? another. There's another way you come to this issue too, and that is what I call the soft war. In other words, you don't have to sit around and wait for the hard war. Hard war, of course, is when the shooting irons come out. You, in fact, you'd be foolish to sit out, sit around and wait because we have exactly. the possibility. We have the possibility of a soft war. We have the possibility of going to the polls. We have the possibility of influencing people. And if you look at it uh, from that particular point of view, you have a you have a second a chance at a second bite of the apple. In other words, you have two chances, not just one. And right. And I, have a, I, have a, I have a theory that if you don't win the soft war. Uh, the prospects of winning the hard war become a lot dimmer. Oh yeah, if you can't fight, a lot. If you can't, if you can't fight the battle and win it now, how are you well, yeah, I agree. And, and I tell the folks that uh, when they come to events, and uh, that question will come up at times, and I tell them, I said, look, guys, number one, if it came to uh, a, a shooting war, then pretty much we failed in our jobs, completely failed in our jobs because the founders set it up so that we wouldn't have to do that again. And if they set it up with the, the most amazing documents on the face of the planet for us to, to have an easy win and we blow it, then we fail. The other side of that is that if it comes to a shooting war, not only have we failed uh, philosophically, but we're going to fail actually. Do you think that anybody in the government, that they're scared of, uh, of a shooting war, that's an easy thing. You know, just like we were talking about earlier, how it would be easy for us to, to motivate people if there was a, a uh, uh, an actual enemy. Well, that's something that they could fix very easily. They can get on the telephone. They can call up an Air Force base, and the their problem is over. So they're not afraid of that. If you really want to scare a politician, if you really want to change things in government, you don't do it from the barrel of a rifle. You do it by threatening to remove their feather bed and their golf junkets and their lifetime pensions. You do it that way, and you see if you don't get a lot quicker response than you ever would from the barrel of a rifle. As far as a state being uh, inherently doomed to fail, I don't see it that way. I'm a, I'm a rancher, and I can tell you from, uh, from my experiences with, uh, with herding animals and stuff, and I know that we're a lot of times Washington looks on us as uh, – as cattle to be herded and penned. I've got, uh, uh, there are all kinds of different cattle. you got some cattle that uh, you throw a little bit of corn in the corral, 
and they come in there. Even if I had a big sign over the corral that said, this way to the slaughterhouse, they'd still come in. And I've got other cows that uh, if I put on the uh, the sign over the entrance to the corral, this way uh, to a 1,000 pounds of corn, they're still going to bust down the fence every time I get them in the try to get them in the corral and take off. So I don't think that the government is afraid of, of rifles because that's an easy thing for them to fix with just the press of a button. It's the people's minds that are much more dangerous than any hardware we would ever have. No, I absolutely agree with that, uh, and that is, in, in fact, our challenge is changing people's minds. Uh, the Constitution, wonderful document, but guess what? It's still just ink on paper, and, uh, you know, I believe it's largely ignored. So, it, you know, it's uh, it's something that has value, even though it's, it, you know, it's just ink on paper, but if people aren't influenced by it, uh, then what use is it? We have to change people's minds so that, uh, you know, they are influenced by it. Um, well, whenever, you know, when Fred was talking a while ago about changing the climate rather than worry about the weather, that's what we're talking about. Is it, right now it's uh, you know this politician in now, this one next week, rain this week, snow next week, blah blah blah. If you change the weather, then you don't really change anything. But but besides the the person who's in there at that time, uh, raining on you or raining down your back, as they call it. If you change the climate, then you make it to where the person that's uh, up there that is being your representative, not your governing person, but your representative, if you change the, the, the climate so that that person who is your representative knows that for him to issue Bill XYZ, which would limit your freedom, would be his immediate death knell for his position, then that's going to change the way that people do business. They know that any time they put ink to paper, that uh, that infringes upon your unalienable rights, that they're they're going to lose their job, then they're not going to do that. And that's what changing the weather is all about. I mean, changing the climate. Sure. Yeah, and I agree. Um, time is of the essence, so uh, hence the the need to double every year. I certainly hope that we have enough people predisposed to be responsive uh, to it in a positive way. And I thank you, Fred, for uh, devoting a good chunk of your life to uh, to this effort. Okay, listen, before you before you uh, sign off, Cal, uh, you've been to an apple seed, and you guys have shot the rifle and standards, so now i got to ask. Yeah. You got a hat on? <laughs> no, you know, my, my wife uh, did a couple times. I haven't done it, and, uh, you know... Uh, <laughs> Again, it, it comes down to, you know, I'm not all this involved with the, with the dark side. Uh, <laughs> Fred's description of the dark side is not me. However, I do question that when, when an individual gives up their sovereignty and, uh, you know, and, and accepts a ruler, uh, that, uh, you know, there are some problems that, that come with that and that liberty is perpetually then uh, at risk. So you know, uh, I've read a lot of the threads online on the on the Appleseed forums, and you know, it's, and, and in fact, I have a very good friend who uh, worked as an instructor for for quite a long time. Uh, you know, our philosophical points of view are, are very similar. And at some point, he decided it's a good thing. He continues to promote it, but maybe I can't wear you know the cap. <laughs> so, but yeah, good point. Um, when I move to uh, northern Idaho or western Montana here in the next few months, I may be uh, 
I may be looking into a higher level of participation. Uh, I'm living proof that it works. Uh, my dad was a gunner in the Air Force years ago. To make a long story short, he gave up shooting sports and hunting even before I was born. I started late in life. I'm 53 years old. I've been hunting for the last three seasons. I have a number of antelope um, kills over 400 yards. Uh, don't think I could have done that without knowing how to take the shot. Um, I've continued to uh, learn the other two rifleman skills. So uh, very, very good practical training as well as uh, uh, a philosophical mind opener. So thank you, Fred. Well, if I can make a suggestion, I said read what the founders wrote, and I was sitting here thinking while you were talking, and uh, I'm not going to suggest that you go read dozens of dusty Volumes of the, of the writings. What I, what, what I might suggest is just to do a search on Revolutionary War quotes. You're going to find tons of that stuff on the internet. But if you if you if you read through some of their quotes, you're quickly going to understand that um, they really did put the their ultimate faith in the American people. Uh, they said that uh, uh, so long as the American people are educated and alert, uh, liberty is safe. And I don't know anybody who would probably agree with the proposition that the American people are educated and, and alert. Um, I mean, maybe you can argue they are, but, but I'm going to argue that they're not, and the proof is in the pudding, so to speak, in the fact that uh, where this country is now, um, what's happened to it in the last uh, few decades, and what's likely to happen in the, in the next few decades. And um, so what we're trying to do, really, if you think about it, is to rekindle the spirit of the American Revolution. And we're doing it in a reasonably unique fashion in the sense that uh, I think the boys of April 19th would, would thoroughly approve of. I mean, they, by their actions on that one day, they started something that resulted in, in, in something we can probably all agree is a very good thing. And uh, now we're taking the story of what they did. And we're using that story. I hope I hope it's going to be successful. We're using that story to energize our current Americans. And you talk Americans who are about who are predisposed. I, I got to tell you, I'm not. I, I guess you can define predisposed to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. But we see a lot of Americans now show up at apple seeds who are not gun people at all. I mean, they show up with uh, you know brand new Rugers that they just bought at the local Walmart. Sometimes they take them out of the box. Right there, Saturday morning. So, um, and you know, each of those is a real success story. Those are yeah. those are people I would not ordinarily say are predisposed, uh, you know, to buy a rifle and come out and in all kinds of weather and and, and learn how to shoot it. So yeah, that's my wife. Been... She she uh, could not have imagined herself doing it. Uh, you know, when we met 15 years ago. So not only has she shot rifleman, but she's continued on and taken uh, women's handgun training courses. And uh, right. I think that it makes her a much more well-rounded and confident person. All those things that you already know. So yeah, no uh, question about yeah. that. Now, just think how, how nice looking she looked with that bright orange RWVA hat on her head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cal, tell thanks we, a lot. Tell her, right? tell thank you for going on the path that you're going on. Yes. <laughs> well, well, tell your wife we want her in the program, okay? Okay, I sure will. All right. Thanks, Fred. Right. Uh, thanks, it's Cal. Uh, really an honor to uh, to speak to you. We've had a couple brief inter interactions uh, on your blog, and they've always been very positive for me, uh, Very, very positive experience. Thanks. Well, one right. day you'll be in this program. That'll be good. Okay. <laughs> thanks much. Bye-bye. Thank you, mm -hmm. Cal. Take care. All right, we've got uh, some other callers. Uh, our next caller is from Kentucky, and it says here that uh, 
he had to walk over to Tennessee to get a phone. I thought they had phones in Kentucky. Anyway, and then uh, right after him, we're going to take uh, John from Alabama. But uh, right now, we'll take the caller from uh, Kentucky. Funfailer, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, I appreciate you getting me uh, some time on here. Um, your last caller really kind of highlighted one of the issues that this country faces, which is the media, the politicians, and, and many others uh, are invested in getting the people of this country to feel like they're subjects versus owners. And um, that's that's kind of what the program battles is. How do we get folks to start thinking of themselves as owners of this country versus subjects of the of the government or subjects of the of the king? And the hopelessness or the uh, despair that many feel comes from the fact that they don't understand that they have this power and that there's a lot of constitutional tools built in and given to us by the sacrifice of our founders uh, that they can use um, to affect current events and to affect their uh, politicians and the representatives. And, uh, and, and this lack of knowledge or lack of understanding of what's available to them is part of what um, leads to this defeatist attitude. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's the thing that's, that's important for folks to understand is that there are so many things available to them for positive constitutional actions that, that they may not even be aware of. Well, can you give us an example of a positive constitutional action? I mean, let's say, let's say you go outside. There's your neighbor sitting on the porch. Uh, they got a worried look on their face. You say, neighbor, why are you worried? And they say, well... I'm all depressed about the future of the country. And you say, well, sir, let me tell you, i got some good news for you. You can take a positive constitutional action because the Constitution gives you lots of tools. Now, how about finishing out that paragraph? Exactly. No, no, no. Finish out the paragraph. Hell, that I will. I mean, this is a great example because we're in an election year. Everyone's looking towards the, the White House, and they're looking for a savior. If we could just get the right guy in that White House, then he's going to save the country and do this and that. And, and, and the founders actually looked at it from the other direction was – uh, here you are in your rocking chair. What can you do without having to get up too far from your rocking chair to impact your life and, and impact the things the way things are going in this country? And and they talked about things like um, precinct leaders, precinct um, captains, and how that these individuals uh, don't really have to exert a lot of effort, but they can have a tremendous impact on the party system within their states and the party system uh, or the uh, elected representatives on their states and then how the state systems would impact the federal system or the national system and how that that would direct the course. And, and they really, they understood that the direction of the country would come from the people up versus the other direction from the from the country down or being dictated down. And, okay, so uh, you're going to tell the guy you're going to tell the guy in the rocking chair on the por- porch. Uh, if you're really worried about the future of the country, you need to go out and become a precinct captain. All right. So so how does he do that? 
How did he do that? I mean, do you walk down to Republican headquarters or Democratic headquarters or whatever party? Because a precinct captain uh, is a member of a party, right? Right. I mean, we, we are we are in party politics, so we will have that. That that is something that we have uh, in store for us, regardless. So, the the the, the precinct leaders are elected um, by their peers in their country, or in their county or their district, uh, however the precincts are set up. Um, and then these individuals are the ones who elect the captains. But the, but the the point is is that they influence or they have direct influence upon the course of the politics of their state. And and what we're seeing now is that the states are the ones that are stepping in between uh, abuses of 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 the federal government and the people, and stepping in between those two and and actually. Uh, securing uh, liberties and, and, and securing constitutional uh, uh, liberties. I, I agree with what you're saying, Stacy, and and I think that I think you're absolutely right. But the and I think that now that there is apple seed, I think that there is a lot better chance of that happening. The problem is 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 getting getting people off their couches in the first place so that they go and do something. Uh, rather than sit there and be have stuff done to them, and no, and yeah, and I absolutely agree, and I think that's one of the geniuses of the program is that it does get people aware of the fact that they need to get off the couch, they need to do something, um, but unfortunately, uh, the culture, the, the American culture, is no longer what it was 200 years ago or even 100 years ago, and people are looking more towards the national or the federal level saying, where's my savior? Where's my solution? And and it is getting them to understand that there are uh, apparatuses available to them and solutions available to them that are not on that level, that they actually have to start at the lower level uh, to influence the upper level versus the other way around. I mean, the country, the founders never intended for the federal level to be dictating down. They actually intended it for the other direction, that the, 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 the local and state levels would be dictating up uh, on those issues that the Constitution addresses. But um, and, and, and that's why I think a lot of the hopelessness comes is that people go, wait a minute, if I'm looking at the federal level, even if, if I'm looking at my representative, my House representative, I'm one of 650,000. How do I have an influence? Well, that. That that may be daunting, but if you bring it back down to the local level, bring it back down to the district level, as few as four or five people could elect a precinct leader, and that several precinct leaders are are the ones that elect the, the precinct captains who are the ones who dictate how the party politics of that state run. Okay, and, and, uh, listen, can I interrupt for a second? Because I'm, sure, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm following you. And I'm um, sort of tapping my foot as you're playing your your, you know, your music there, <laughs> and um, I'm I'm thinking you know okay so you're going out you 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 have this message that you want to carry to as many people as possible you're going to start with your next door neighbor because you walk out your house and he's over there in his rocking chair he's depressed he doesn't understand what he can do and you go there and you say hey neighbor and then you explain that uh, you know the original conception was that power goes up not down and so he needs to become a precinct leader. And um, uh, but it seems like to me now 
uh, we've got to we've got to interject something before he gets out of his rocking chair and he starts tooling down his steps to go down to whatever party headquarters and see if he can become a precinct captain. And what we need to interject is uh, he needs to he needs exposure to the founders thinking. He needs exposure, and, and 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 that's I think that's where we need to take all these people in the rocking chair on the porch and put them through Appleseed. I mean, uh, granted, we focus on April 19th, but I think and I hope that in many cases um, where the story of April 19th resonates uh, in the hearts of Appleseeders, uh, they don't stop there. I mean, I know myself, I read it, while I focus most of my I guess you could say reading of historical accounts, most of those I focus on April 19th. I have caught myself reading histories uh, relating to the entire Revolutionary War and other time frames of it and other campaigns. And um, what I suggested uh, to Cal earlier about going on the Internet reading quotes from the founders, uh, I've done that. Mainly I've done it for selfish reasons. In other words, I've I'm writing a column for Shotgun News, and I say, I need a quote on this, so I'll go look up on the Internet. But in the process of doing that, I've I found out a lot of other stuff that they said, which which impacts. Uh, I mean, the, 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 one, the thing I mentioned earlier, where uh, one of the founders said, uh, uh, as long as the American people are, are, are educated and alert, liberty is safe. So Joe Doe, sitting in that rocking chair with that depressed look on his face, who says when you come over and tell him about the idea of becoming a precinct captain? He says, "Man, that's great. I thought uh, I'm glad you came over and told me that idea." But before he gets up out of that rocking chair, uh, he's got to be educated. He can't. Yeah, I mean, he, he's sitting there right now. He's ignorant. Basically, you've you motiv- motivated him to get up. So you maybe you've addressed his apathy. Maybe you've addressed his laziness. But he's still ignorant. He doesn't know what the founders were about. He doesn't know what the country's about. Uh, you've given them a hint when you said the founders set this country up so that power goes from the bottom up. And that's just it. And, that, and I agree wholeheartedly that that, that, is, that is one of the, the banes of, of the current American culture, which is we as a people today automatically look to D.C. for the answers, where the founders, they gave us a system where we would look more locally for the answers and project that up. And and uh, there's no doubt that one of the great things about Appleseed is it gets folks to understand that there is a, a different view on our current culture, and it also gets folks motivated to want to do something. But unfortunately, once they step out of uh, – once they leave the event on Saturday or Sunday afternoon, uh, often they revert back to what they have been conditioned over their entire lives, which was – look to D.C. for the answers. So they look to D.C. for the solutions. And what we have to try to what, – what we need to get them to understand is that the solution is actually in smaller bites more locally, and they can in, actually affect what's going on on a, a national level much quicker by working well, locally I, I, than I what understand they can exactly what they you're saying. Local. Yeah, and and we do that, or at least I do. And I've I've met on the uh, out on the trail. I've met a, a ton of other uh, instructors who do that. Like you said, the, we do the benediction, and at the benediction, we tell the folks that <clears throat> that when you come to an apple seed, you you have relatively small goals, right? You say, I'm going to come here and I'm going to improve my rifle marksmanship. 
and then at the apple seed they meet or exceed those goals. And then the next, the next logical follow-on question is, what next? Well, now that I've shown that I can set a goal and accomplish it, what do I do next? And the the obvious answer is uh, what we try to do is get them to be involved with us because uh, if you have uh, one person that's going out and talking to people and getting them out of the rock chair, that's good. But if you have uh, ten people doing it, that's even better. If you have a hundred or a thousand, even better. And then we also expose them to the ideas that you're talking about, which is, look, if you want to change something, you got to first the way you start changing something, you look down at your feet, and that's where you draw the first circle is uh, right at your feet, and you start trying to fix it from that point out, even if it means it, that you have to go and run uh, for, a, uh, for an office to get, the, uh, uh, to get the, uh, the, what you want done, then if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jam another caller in here with us while we're talking about this. This is uh, John from Alabama. John, welcome to the show. Howdy. How's hey, how's it going? going? Uh, not too bad. Uh, I'm a 15-year member of the NRA. Um, I, uh, I just wanted to get an opportunity to talk about something pretty important, and we sort of we sort of moved around the subject. But you know, you can you can kind of cry all day about the corruption uh, in politics, uh, but really it comes down to personal responsibility. You talk about going down and being a, a chief at local precinct. I mean, that that's definitely a start. It's very frustrating uh, as a Republican right now. Uh, to to see somebody like Mitt Romney uh, so far ahead, uh, really, it's pretty interesting that all you do is read the Washington Post on Sunday and you think you're a fucking expert. I'm gonna rape your goddamn right wife, you stupid scum cunt. Huh. And there's uh, there's a perfect example of the of the problems with uh, with America. Yep. yep. Let me let me interject something. Um... Uh, Scott, if you don't mind, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about uh, unselfish points, um, and and we drew a little picture of him going out and seeing his neighbor, and and and, and understanding that his neighbor's uh, is a uh, you know is a prime person to to talk to about this notion. But Funfowl, I'm going to suggest to you that that the, there's not as many patriots out there as there used to be, and um, uh, which means that every patriot who's concerned about saving this country needs to be as efficient as he can, which means that instead of walking over there and talking to your neighbor where you're dealing one-on-one, um, I'm going to suggest that you think about having something that we call a library seat. I think you know what that is. That's where we, that's where we actually have a meeting at a local library or any other location, and uh, we advertise and we try and get people there. And, you know, you may get seven people there. You may get ten people there. Actually, people have gotten as many as 30-plus people to show up for a library seat. And that's, uh, you know, if you give them a choice between talking to one person or talking to 30 people, it seems like to me you're being more efficient when you talk to 30 people. When you get right down to it, yes, every individual is important, but the but the way we save the ship is is based on numbers. It's how many, I mean, it's numbers are what is critical in saving the ship. I mean, if we could get 300 million Americans uh, to buy into the notion that the founders uh, had a good idea and that, uh, and the, and that the history of, uh, of what they did is something that every American should know and, and, and keep close in their heart, you know, we're there. And, and, and we know we're not, gonna get three, we're not going to get 300 million, 
so then the question becomes, well, how many can we reasonably get? I mentioned earlier the number of 3 million. I picked 3 million. It's just a kind of a planning figure, like we picked 10 apple seeds for the first year. Understanding if it takes 20 apple seeds, we'll have to do 20 apple seeds. So if it takes 6 million, then we'll have to do 6 million. But for planning purposes, 3 million, which is roughly like 1% of the country. On the other hand, if you have 3 million dedicated Americans, uh, they can sway the outcome of a national election. And that alone is, uh, I think, has a power all its own. But the point being that if we know we're not going to get 300 million and that we're going to have to settle for a, a number substantially less than that, uh, then we need to talk about how we make our actions as efficient as possible. So uh, assuming we ever get to the point where we get that $3 million, uh, we want to um, um, have a plan or a strategy that magnifies the impact of that $3 million. Now, you know, there is something called a tipping point. And once we get to the tipping point, you're going to find that, uh, let's say $3 million will get you to the tipping point. Once you get to the tipping point, soon you're going to have $10 million, $20 million, $30 million. You know, everybody, everybody wants to run and get on the victory wagon, even if they didn't have any hand in building it or pushing it up to the top of the hill. But they all want to be part of it in a way that's good and in another way it's bad because what happens is you're going to find that a lot of those latecomers are going to be, um, I don't know, you might call them parasites. You might call them unbelievers. I mean, they're, they're there for the party. They're not there for the cause. Right. But I'm, I'm digressing a little bit. The main point I wanted to make is we, 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 all of us have to be as efficient as possible. That means we have to reach as many people as possible in the shortest possible amount and have the greatest impact on them. And well, I, I like the way you're going with this stuff. What you're talking about, uh, Fun Fowler, is really what I call the end game of the program. But the fun, funny thing about it, when I started speculating on what we need to do with that $3 million, and in order to to maximize their um, uh, their effectiveness, it turned out that almost almost everything I wrote down was stuff that we could start working on now. Library seeds was one example, and I think well, your we, idea your idea of the of the precinct captain, which is getting involved in local local politics, I think that's a good idea. And I also liked it when Scout said, uh, you know, you run for office. Now, one fellow I remember one time you said that something like 66% of the state offices in Kentucky are are unopposed. So it it would seem like it would be pretty easy to get some some people who are are apple seeders who have been exposed to the the history of April 19th and who believe that that's something that that should be important. It should be fairly easy to get those people elected. Once they become elected, they have a lot more power to influence other people. So you could possibly, oh, yeah. some of these guys can skip the precinct level, precinct captain level, and, and that's the part of the state, it, start as a state representative. You, that, and that's yeah, the listen, point. When you get people to come through the the, the uh, Appleseed program, you give them that motivation, that inspiration that they have to do something. And then, naturally, the culture says, well, you look to D.C., what can you do there? And then that becomes a daunting task. Even with your $3 million, uh, that's a, yeah. that's a, hey, a hey, guys, that's not even a guys, drop in the bucket. I don't want to – I hate to break it up, but we seven seconds, seven seconds left, <laughs> so I want to tell everybody that called in, thank you. Tell all the folks, we'll see you next Thursday, 7 p.m. and uh, 7 p.m. Central. And uh, we appreciate everybody calling in. So, uh, 
So thank you. Now we can continue on. Uh, yeah, thanks for calling in, Fun Style. It was a, it was a treat to hear, hear from you. Thanks. Stick okay. on the line. Stick on the line a little bit, Scout. Are we going to be able to talk a little bit longer? Uh, we can talk here on this, and uh, and it, it uh, unless we, it, it's it, this will be recorded. This will all be recorded, and it'll go into the archives. We're just not streaming out live anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everything we say from now on will be available to folks if they uh, if they go to listen later. They can, they'll be able to hear everything we're saying. Well, great, Fun Fowler. This is your chance. Are you still there? <laughs> my, my chance for. <laughs> your chance, your chance for glory. Well, yeah, well, that's 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 exactly what I was seeking, I guess. Um, but no, the 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 program, the you know, the three million number, that was something that was interesting. I had not, uh, I can't say that I've heard that number before, but it, it the assumption that that this turns back to the national level. What's What's interesting is there are some great successes, some great things going on on the state levels, uh, which are influencing the uh, the national level. Uh, and these things are going on now, and it takes very a very small amount of numbers of people to make this this happen. And uh, the, the the culture of looking to DC for answers or uh, or bowing to DC for uh, for rulings, if you will, uh, is 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 a demoralizing uh, culture. And, and when people start to understand that they can have an influence on a more local level or a state level, and and that influences the national level, uh, then that's quite empowering. And and that that plays right in nicely with with Appleseed of of the rifleman mentality, of the rifleman attitude, of, of the personal empowerment and that's really what the founders had in mind when they were doing what they were doing uh as far as setting up the country was let's put as much empowerment in the hands of the people versus uh the hands of the leaders um and so that's that's really you know the kind of the, the crux of what i'm trying to get across is you know we talk about precinct leaders that's just one one prong of a multi-pronged uh approach um uh you know the influence that an individual has on their state representatives is tremendous uh, compared to what they have on their federal representatives. Um, uh, you know, a, a handful of of, of apple seeders at a if you take a let's just say a, a take a, an apple seed location, one particular shoot location that maybe has six shoots uh, a year. Uh, and they run, say, 10, 10 shooters uh, in the event. So you got 60 shooters. If you could just get uh, a quarter of those involved in contacting their local rep, assuming that they're all local shooters, um, so you'd have 20 people or, or 15 or 20 people riding their rep. That would be, in most states, uh, a huge impact and a huge influence on that rep. And uh, where this goes is now you look at, you go to the uh, 10th Amendment Center uh, website and you look at some of the uh, some of the efforts that the states are putting forth and influence the federal government. Uh, it, it, it's incredible to see that these states are, are actually 
flexing their muscles against the federal government on a lot of these issues that are important to people, like firearms or mm-hmm. uh, you, you go on and on. There's a dozen different issues there. Um, and that's the point is that the states are actually flexing back, and that's where the influence is going to happen. And um, Hey, Fun Fowler, let, yeah. let me interrupt just for a second. Uh, sure. And I understand that you make – you make a few statements that, uh, uh, in my opinion, aren't, aren't that accurate. The thing you've just got through saying, saying that's where it's going to happen. I, I, you know, I'm a dedicated apple seeder, and while I love, I love what you're saying, and um, I'm, I'm wondering that you haven't wandered over. There's a board that we have called From Fred, very pretentious board. But I think you have access to it. If you can wander over there sometime and read about what I call the end game, uh, it may stimulate some thinking on your part about how uh, we can make this happen. Because what you're, uh, what, you're, what do you mean? In, 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 look, in my in my conception of things, when you start talking about people going out and being precinct captains, and if you want to expand it to people going and getting elected to state state offices, which I I figure, what the heck. If you're going to be a precinct captain, you can be a state representative just as, just as, just as much. Maybe not quite as easily. On the other hand, a state representative is going to have a lot more influence on party structure than a precinct captain. So, precinct captain is important. But you know, if we can, if we can um, figure a way to rapidly get people elected as state representatives, like I don't know. I would think in five years we could get ten people elected as state representatives. When I say ten people, I'm talking about ten apple seeders in the state of Kentucky. Well, maybe not Kentucky, but maybe in some other states. And what we're doing, what we're doing is we're laying the groundwork for when we, you know, we, for when we get our three million. Um, it wasn't. It didn't take me too long when I started talking about three million before I said, okay, so we got three million people. Uh, are we going to start now? And the, the immediate answer was, well, wait a minute. If you on the way up to that three million, it seems like you can be doing a lot of the stuff. So, for example, when we get to three million, let's say we have five thousand people elected in, to state office. In other words, it's better to reach three million with five thousand people elected to state office than it is to reach three million and then say, well, what do we do? And then somebody says, well, let's get five thousand of them elected to state office. Right, were you listening earlier, Stacy, when we were talking about at the beginning of the show we were talking about uh tactical planning versus strategic planning and at, at what point do you do you start the strategic and you know and, and how much uh how much time and effort do you allocate for strategic until you have reached a certain point, et cetera. And I think that that's kinda of what we were talking about at the beginning was uh was is it time now? And uh, and the answer was, you know, that we should start thinking about the strategic uh, now. But it, but it's not going to matter. Uh, it's not going to matter until we reach a certain level. You know. Well, actually, well, Scott, that, let me let me that, let me refine let me refine that just a little bit. Uh, I agreed with you before I started trying to outline, uh, you know, what we do when we reach three million. Actually. Um, Actually, I think I started off figuring around 2016 when we reached the first million. That's when I figured we'd really start planning right. for the strategic part. But then once I started planning that, um, as I said, almost everything I wrote down that we sh- we should be doing, 
uh, we could start on it now. So right. in a way, looking at the strategic thing created kind of a feedback to you know what we could be doing now. I mean, why 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 wait until we reach a million or three million and then say, okay, now we're going to let people office? Why don't we just start now? For one thing, when we reach the million or three million, we will have some experience under our belts on electing well, people. It seems it seems like the the whole this whole notion is based on influencing or impacting national politics. Uh, no, no, hold on, no, no, no. Well, yes, 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 but no, that's not all. I mean, you, you and again, uh, if you can't, if you don't have access to that end game thing, let me and know. I don't. Uh, uh, you don't. Okay. Well, maybe yeah. I can. Uh, maybe I can just do a crude copy and paste and 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 PM the stuff to you. Uh, but but uh, the 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 goal here is to save the country, and we have to we have exactly. to define how we do that. And some of the stuff that I wrote down was was trying to define that. And, you know, give me give me an example. When school students are taught. April 19th, 1775, and when they're taught uh, what it meant, when they're when they're, you know, you've heard, you probably, uh, you probably heard my analogy that uh, you look at the history books now, and and uh, um, I don't know if you ever go to the Goodwill store, but you can usually find an American history book, a fairly recent one there, uh, yeah, for 50 cents, buy one and read what it says about the Revolutionary War. And you and and the couple I looked at have been pretty accurate in terms of saying here's why the British won, here's why, or here's why the British couldn't win, and here's why the Americans couldn't lose, and that kind of stuff. But I said, you know, you read that, and it's like if you want to teach people uh, about the story of Romeo and Juliet, you 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 uh, you, you uh, what you do is you is you tell them the autopsy results. That's what they're doing. They're dissecting the American Revolution. And in the process of dissecting the American Revolution, it's like taking the story of Romeo and Juliet and reducing it to the fact that uh, uh, Romeo died because of, uh, you know, so many uh, microcuries per milliliter of a certain toxic in his blood. And Juliet died uh, because of a puncture wound of a certain size in her aorta, which resulted in internal bleeding or external bleeding or whatever. I mean, you don't learn the story of Romeo and Juliet from that, and yet that's the way we're trying to teach the American Revolution. All the spirit is is is, is drained out of it. All the all the everything that counts is drained well, out and, of it. And, it's the lifeless corpse. We're in absolute agreement on all that, but right now, okay, so that's, now the that's, flip that's, side of that coin I, is is what, where's the solution lie? Where does the solution lie? The solution lies in numbers, ultimately. Well, and, and I agree, but numbers doing what? You know, what I mean, and, okay, that, and that's well, where and that's well, where we I, go back. Let's go back. Let's go back to the revolution. Let's go back to 1775, and they had numbers, and, and what were they doing, and what were they trying to do? And then if we snapshot up to the 1780s, and go, all right, now they did all that. They did all what they did. Uh, what did they set up for us? What did they give for us? Did they say, what we want for you guys, our posterity, is for you to be able to do what exactly what we did, which was build the numbers and then fight that central power. And, and it wasn't that. They didn't want that. What they wanted was for us to be able to have the keys to our, our, our destiny and to, and to utilize those from the local level up. 
and, and I, the heat, I agree with you, but, but let me tell you, from my experience here, and, and actually with the Appleseed program as a whole, is that that a lot of times we don't give we don't give the American people enough credit because it's not that they need to be told what to do because there was nobody there wasn't a ton of people telling the founders what to do. They they inherently knew what to do. And I've experienced the same thing with the with the folks here uh, who go through Appleseed. And once you flick their switch on, it's not that you have to tell them a whole lot about what to do. They're they're pretty smart folks, and the folks who decide to flip their switch on and who decide to get uh, moving and doing stuff, they take they need relatively little instruction on how to do it. They're they're out there finding ways to do it. The Americans are good at that. The problem well, is, it, is getting them to flip their switch on. And I and I agree and I agree with your last comment. There's no doubt about that. I disagree with your your premise, your initial comment, which is they know what to do in the sense that this culture, our modern culture, has been so dumbed down or so dis uh, given so much different disinformation that they don't understand. I mean, we have been conditioned. Since uh, World War II, to look for our answers from a federal level down, even you okay, can go back Stacey, further in history. Stacey, let, let, and, yeah, and, let me interrupt. And, and, let me, no, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. Let wait a minute. I'm interrupting. Sorry. I'm interrupting because your needle is stuck in a groove. That's probably the sixth time you said that, and I think all three of us are far beyond that point. I mean, you're describing an iceberg. We, no, you know, no, 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 no,
you may not say you love big steps, but I'm going to say if we get an opportunity to take big steps, we should take them. We no, should, no, no, you're no, the one no. who if, says if, we should never we miss have, an opportunity. If we, no, if we have an opportunity for big steps, sure, let's take them. Yeah. But, but my point is this, is that the big steps, much like the home run ball, is going to come to us while we're working for the base hit. Sure, no and, problem. And, and, we're in agreement. There, let, let's, let's, just, let's just look at today's politics as an example. We look at the current GOP uh, primary process, and the reason why we are not going to get a good GOP or Republican nominee president is not because enough people haven't stepped up to go to the primaries to vote. It's because the people – uh, in general, on the state levels, haven't pushed for that. Um, you know, people talk about Ron Paul, and, I, and we don't want to get into individual politics. You know, everybody's looking towards one of these representatives that, uh, running for the GOP as their savior. If we could just get the right guy, the right guy in the White House, then that's going to solve everything. And, and, and that's absolutely antithetical to what the founders thought. Right. Well, actually, we don't say that in this program, as you know, because we say well, elections exactly. are, are exactly. like the weather. Yeah. But but the, but the people that are coming to the events, that's what they're saying. And so right. the, the the thing is, is how do we get how do we get Joe Schmo that's laying on the ground with a, an LTR in his right in his shoulder? How do we mm-hmm. get him to stop looking towards DC for the solutions when he okay, gets wait, up? Okay. Wait. 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 I'm going to answer. He, I'll answer your question for you. Go ahead. Okay. I'll answer your question for you. Because actually, there was a bit of a misstatement earlier on, at least I hope it was, in the sense that you say somebody comes to an apple seed, buys into um, you know what we what we want him to buy into, and then he leaves and uh, his choices are uh, to vote or something like that. And actually, that's not – if that's all he takes away from the apple seed, that apple seed has not been successful. The notion that we should propound at apple seeds is that everybody who, who – who who is awakened should become part of this program, right? Well, well, Everybody, if you want to battle for freedom in this country, if you care about liberty, if the example of the April nineteenth uh, struck you as something that uh, you know we should preserve and protect, then you need to be part of this program because this is what this and program then what's is the doing. Next step? What's the next huh? step? Let's just just say, how do you define success of the? Let's just say everybody that comes to an apple seed gets involved in the program. Uh-huh. Then what is that next step? What is it that manifests out of that that you can point to and say that's where the solution is coming from, or that uh, is the well, of the I'm, solution? I'm not look. I, I'm, I don't know that I, the wording of your question is as clear as I like it to be, but I think you're I think you're asking is um, okay. So we do that. We get, we the, the emphasis is on um, you know, everybody who comes to an apple seed becomes part of the program. And how does that turn into success? Well, it turns into success because our, our um, because our numbers build up; they double. I mean, we we should be the probability of us being successful in terms of meeting our doubling goals uh, increases tremendously. And we're going to combine that with a strategy. For making use of those numbers, what, what, what is that strategy? Right. And, and Stacy, what you were saying earlier, when you said that uh, that maybe the the American people don't know what to do because they've been dumbed down, that may be the case in some places. But listen, if 
for for my experience, the people that come through Appleseeds and they become part of the program, and even the people that don't, once they've become here and they they're they have been switched on, I don't have to to guide them usually anywhere. I give them the uh, the basics of it, just like we do at the uh, at the benediction at the uh, end of the events on Sunday. And I hear back from them all the time. These guys are ending up being precinct captains, or they are end up being uh, uh, candidates, or they become part of the program and they're helping us. And as they're helping us, they're learning how what they can do next. And they're learning it uh, while they're at events. They're learning it uh, because they become more aware because they went to an Appleseed event, and they're they're reading on what they can do. They ask what they can do at the events. And we tell them, well, we don't get involved with politics, but we'll tell them the the ways that they can do it, just like you stated earlier, about uh, about them taking control of what's going on and that all politics are local, and that's where you have to start. That's part of my benediction. <clears throat> and the folks know that, and once, it, once they know that, there's no way we can handhold everybody or lead everybody, but we can get everybody started pushing oh, no. in the right direction. Yeah. No, and through and the numbers, just, and, you come across the folks. You come across the folks that are going to be rockets in their own right. Uh, all you have to do is just ignite them. And the more people you talk to, the more people that come through the program, the more people you're going to ignite, and they're going to take off. And, and, and I agree. I agree with your assessment. I, I, I can't say that I've experienced or have seen uh, a, a large amount of people who have stepped into uh the local roles if you will. Um, we got we got three that I three that uh that I know of here in Texas that have gone from the Appleseed to precinct candidates, I mean to precinct uh whatever captains or coordinators right, leaders whatever. and then on to and how, how many on to how party many members you, and then to candidates. And how many people have you run through the program in Texas? Ooh, that's a good question. I wish I had more uh more answers to that. More than but at the so. same time, uh, you know, you and I have talked about this too, about how many how many people it took just to get one other uh one other Stacy in the program, you know? And you gotta go through a lot of folks to get that. Well the, the, my point being is that there's a lot of, of of uh hopelessness or helplessness that is uh part of the American culture that can be overcome by pointing to tangible things that are going on today. Uh, I mean, I've, I have spoken to people who are active in their... Uh, but where are they, the they going to get it pointed to them at? I mean, you, like you said, you can either walk house to house and walk up to the rock no, 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 that's, that's what I think that that's what I think the potential of, of Appleseed is, is, is that there is that potential of, of bringing you bring people out for whatever reason they come to an apple seed is it the marksmanship is it the history or whatever and but there's that there's that opportunity there to introduce uh thousands of people annually to the concept of hope and uh, empowerment and and that's and that's the point that uh i think that's one thing that that that's uh, maybe lacking in the program is 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 that there's no tangible or there's lack of tangible hope and 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 and, and uh, help or hopefulness that that folks can 
can grasp onto when they walk away. When they go away Sunday on the afternoon, then they go back into their culture that they just came back or came out of. Friday, Friday afternoon, they leave a culture, and they come into Appleseed. And it's a totally different culture. It's a, it's a totally different world. And they, and they live in that world for a weekend. But on Sunday afternoon, they go back into their old culture. And we see this in, 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 at different levels. But when they go back to their old culture, then they, they, they start to think that way. They start to live back in that old culture. And that old culture says, you are a subject. You're not an owner. We, we just told them for two days that they were an owner. But now on, on Monday they're a subject again. And well, what's, your, what's, the, what's, what's your solution to that then? Well, my uh, solution and I, and is. I've got to tell you, I don't, I don't know that I see a lot of that at the Texas Appleseed, but, but it could be well, the case. Yeah, yeah, but, you do. Tell, you me do what, you, tell me what's going. Well, okay. Tell me what the solution is. How the, we can fix that on a Sunday evening? And the solution, the solution is is to give them, uh, get them connected to those organizations that are putting rubber to the road on the local and on the na- or on the state levels. Okay, um, but how do you how do you get them connected to it? It is just an introduction. It is just merely sowing the seed. And that is just merely an introduction. No, I don't I don't maybe maybe that's something that you do there individually, but I, I haven't seen it system wide, that's for sure. And, and 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 there's also I mean there's there's I have talked to folks that have been to many apple seeds. I've talked to folks that have hosted apple seeds uh, that are clueless about the, the the gains or the benefits or the positives that are going on on the state and local level uh, because they're so focused uh, on the national level. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've had guys, I've had people say to me, I never knew that this was going on. And, and it just, just as an example, and it's just purely an example, if you look at the Obamacare uh, law, I mean, this, this is something that was edicted down, down onto the people from from the national level. There are 40-some states who have passed laws or resolutions um, opposing this. And some of these states, um, have passed laws that ban the implementation of this law in their state to include law ter- or uh, uh, jail time and two hundred and fifty thousand dollars fines for anyone who tries to implement it. And most people that show up on a, an Appleseed event would be clueless that that actually has happened. Mm-hmm. And, and my and my point in pointing this out, like I say, it's just purely an example. My point in pointing this out is that that is a positive constitutional resolution to an abuse of the federal power that most people are unaware of. And if they look at that and they go, how could I get that? There's 40-some states that have done it. If I'm in one of those states, that, that one of the 10 that hasn't, how do I get that in my state? Because that is the resolution that the founders would have worked on. They would have said the states would stop this abomination, and and they wouldn't worry about begging their their dear leaders to do it right. Well, you you, you point out something good, and and I'll tell you that uh, from my experience, you know, there's there are X number of hours in a weekend that you can uh, use for whatever you're going to use, and uh, and 
during the benediction, one of the things that I enter into the story is the story of uh, Sheriff Richard Mack, because mm-hmm. he's one of those individuals that was able to... Uh, uh, and, I, and I will say that I never, I heard of that in an apple seed. So, so as you're speaking, I, 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 I just want to point that out that this this sounds like a one in a million. Well, he's one of the individuals that, uh, as a single individual, mm-hmm. he was able to stop uh, a uh, an assault on the Constitution. And I use that as an example. I say, you guys uh, don't think. And whenever I'm doing my benediction, I'm talking to them about contacting. Uh, their representatives, and don't think that they are that their one voice doesn't mean anything, because one voice can contact a uh, a, uh, a senator or congressman. One voice can uh, of its in and of its own can stop uh, a whole assault on the Constitution, just like uh, Sheriff Richard Mack. I direct people to the different organizations that uh, they can get information from, but my main thing is always casting the net to uh, get them allied with the Appleseed Project. Because the more people mm-hmm. that I can get allied with us, then the more people we can wake up. And, right. yeah, there's a lot yeah. of people that don't know what to do or that they are lost. But i tell you what, the people that well, are like that let me, uh, let me are not really, in, I, Let me derail you because I want to I tie in exactly with what you just said is that, you know, you talk about wanting people to get involved with Appleseed, but there are other things that are going on that can go down this path of saving America. And what's interesting is there are, in any given state, there are several organizations that are already set up. And these organizations have uh, several people, many people involved. They have a, a, an apparatus set up to mit, to coordinate their efforts. And um, if if Appleseed could awaken people and feed them into these organizations, that would do two things. One, it would bolster this effort to save America on that level. Plus, it would infiltrate these organizations with people who have gone through the Appleseed program, who have been motivated and inspired by the Appleseed program, who have been introduced to the founding stories, the, the story of April 19th, and they would be in this program. And then in turn, while they're sitting there in this program doing what it is this program does, they would look back at Appleseed and they would go, that is a, a resource for us to draw more people into our organization. Therefore, mm. they they are an ally. They are someone that we want to foster, and that that is an organization that we want to see strong and growing in our area, in our state, so that we can generate more people. Because okay, quick Apple, question. Well, okay, yeah, what Appleseed, what on, Appleseed but, offers more than anything else is. It is the bridge between the couch sitters and the doers. That's what Appleseed is. It sits right there in the middle. Okay, let me let me let me get Fred in there. Go ahead, Fred. Uh, well, first of all, I was going to ask you if there's anybody in these organizations. You say there are many organizations, many states. Are there any of them in there now who are aware enough and and maybe even intelligent enough to? To agree with you on that statement you just made that Appleseed can be viewed as a resource to for them. That's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I can't say I can't say because I don't know okay. these people. Okay, okay, okay. Let me. Uh, um, 
I got look. I think I, I got to run, but I think a conversation like this is is very useful to have, and and uh, I like to. I think we should have another one, and uh, maybe even in the near future. So can can I, I've got Scout's number. I don't know, FL uh, FF. Do you still have the same number you had before? Yeah, same numbers. Same same cell number, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And let's uh, let, let, let's talk this over again. There's there's a lot of stuff in here. Yeah, my concern is that we're talking past each other sometimes, and when we talk past each other, that's very inefficient. And, you know, guys, uh, I, w- I was one of the early converts to Funfowler's notion that wasted opportunities are one of the worst things around. And uh, inefficiency is another version of wasted opportunity. I mean, if we're only talking at 20% efficiency, then we've just wasted the opportunity of talking at 100%, at 100% efficiency. Uh, and I think... Uh, I, 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 I'll, I'll tell you this right now. I don't see how there's any conflict in anything that we've any of us have said tonight, uh, in the sense that I see these things as all components of a. Um, well, I'll just come out and say it, a victory plan. Uh, now I will probably see it primarily through the viewpoint of an apple seed, but uh, um, you know, we, we there there are various aspects of it that can be worked out. Uh, I still think that. Um, from from Appleseed's point of view, we're not in the business of funneling people to any other organization. We're mainly, uh, I mean, if we find anybody that wants to, that doesn't want to work for us, for whatever reason, but is willing to work for some other organization, fine. We'll send them over there if the other organization has, has compatible aims and views. But our primary uh, goal in this in this outfit, the reason we're working so hard, is to grow Appleseed. So we we're kind of silly to take. Uh, you know, a portion of, of of the results we generate and 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 donate them to to another organization, unless the other organization can convince us that that um, they will be so much more effective in u- using these people that that uh, you know these people work harder for them than they will for Appleseed. In that case, I can buy into the notion of uh, you know getting. Do you, do you have any? Do you have any idea or any feeling on how many people come through the program that actually uh, return back and volunteer for the program? You get yeah. just a ballpark idea yeah. how many? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a small percentage, uh, something like three percent, maybe even as low as as two point five percent become instructors. Mm-hmm. Now that's a, that's a very rough. So you need to probably I mean, double that for the number of the people that actually volunteer sometime that don't become uh, instructors. Well, most of the volunteers do become instructors. I mean, that's where we measure the yeah. volunteers. Uh, you could probably add in the non non instructor volunteers, and I don't think it makes so, much difference. So we're 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 basically running ninety five percent of the people that run through the program, as far as Appleseed is concerned, they do nothing. Uh, right. Ninety, actually ninety, ninety-seven point five, maybe ninety-seven. We'll call, we'll call it ninety-five, and that makes yeah. Make, makes. Yeah. It In other easier. words, we got we got lots of room to improve our efficiency. I mean, if and, we got to improve our efficiency is that, to five percent, we'll double. Is, is I don't think there's a lot of room. There's not a lot of uh, room to improve that opportunity within Appleseed, because no, I believe job, I believe there is room. The job, I believe there, see, I believe yeah, there I is I, room. I, I don't. I don't think there is, especially if you measure from the instructor standpoint, because yeah. the problem. The problem is, is that the, the hat of of the instructor is a difficult hat to get to. Um, you know, some of the other. And that's why I say let's go to ninety five. Some of the others that volunteer in the Apple Corps or some of the other non instructor 
positions or efforts, uh, you know, that there's a little bit more there. But there, there's a, a larger percentage, and I have no idea what that would be, that walk away on Sunday afternoon that want to get involved and they feel like they should do something. And if mm-hmm. they were given some other tools to go ahead and step into that process or some other avenues. I mean, a lot of folks will look at the task of becoming an instructor and not want to embark on that right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Maybe they come back to it later, but right away, that's a daunting task. I mean, you, you, you can't put yourself – you can't. Fred, I have a hard time imagining that you can put yourself in the shoes of somebody going to their first apple seed. But when they go to their first apple seed – and then the or even their second, then the next task is well, you become an instructor, and you hand them the sheet that says, "This is what you need to do to become an instructor. That is likely too much of a step for most folks to even embark on hmm. and so, so well, anyway. Uh, well, let me let me just uh say that uh, we're running at the we're running to the end of our time. <laughs> So, so in just a second, I don't know. I've never experienced it, so I don't know if it'll just shut us off or okay. Well, well, I'll, what I'll go ahead and make but, I'll go ahead and make yeah, my official okay. and hang up. Fun, uh, yeah, yeah, nice yeah, talking. We'll, we'll let y'all go. Yep. Thanks for the time. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Thank you guys to too, Fred. Thanks for coming on the show. Okay. Uh, Stacy, thanks for calling. Thanks to everybody <laughs> who called in tonight. Thanks to all the folks who are listening, and we'll see you next Thursday. 7 p.m. Central Time for another edition of the Rifleman Radio Show. Thanks, guys. Good night. Good bless, God bless everyone, and uh, we'll see you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.